we're going to keep this intro short and sweet, or did a little bit of a ramble on the last one. Our guest today is awesome. He couldn't be a nicer guy. I had a really great time sitting down and talking with him. He's awesome. It was a cool hang. We're going to just hit the ground running. Please give it up for Tyler Evenson. fist away from your mouth you don't want me to like swallow your microphone yeah i know some people do eat the mic that's that's one thing i was like i've never done a podcast or anything like that before so when you invited me i was like am i gonna be the asshole that like it's like ah, like all over the microphone the whole time like yeah (laughs) it's all part of the process i still do that i'll be like right up on the mic you listen to the audio and it's just you're bashing yourself (laughs) in the head thinking why was i that close that's what post-production mixing that's all part of it and i feel that way about this podcast is it's almost like this thing's just held together by duct tape and we're just if something goes wrong we're andy and i are over here scrambling trying to figure it out you know like i i find it kind of like analogous to like i watch like Haley perform you know and she'll get off stage and she'll be like oh man like i messed that part up so badly and i was like no one knows it's like you you and like everyone on stage are the only people that know that at all like you, you recover well enough that I you can play it off. Yeah, no one would have known. I, know, I feel like you're more critical of your own like stuff that you do. I think that's good though. I think I it think, can be. Yeah, I think it shows. It can definitely be detrimental yeah. too, right? You can yeah. go too far where mm-hmm. you just get self-destructive. Yeah. But if you use it, I think it can be good. I think a healthy level of like you know self-reflection and like the desire to also be like you know. I did that. I could be better at it. Being able to critique yourself. Yeah. That's a hard thing to do. I think the hardest part is moderating it. I think it's easy to like go way overboard and just be like, oh, terrible on that, like not making any progress or just like completely ignore it. I think actually having a healthy relationship with that is like one of the most difficult parts of that whole thing. That's part of just honing your craft, I guess. It's not like what this whole age group we're in right now is supposed to be. Do you feel like we're in that? I feel like we're supposed to be there when we're trying to figure things out. But I think our whole generation is just, I don't know I, if we're lost or we're still trying to find what we're looking for. I think like this age range is probably trying to figure stuff out or like get a foothold on it. But I think we're also like too focused on or like maybe have the idea or at least I have the idea that like I should be much farther along than I am right then you kind of fall into that social media trap where it's like people will only post like you don't post always like the really bad things that happen or your failures like you post a little like nice tidbit so someone can see it you know like and when you build up that whole you basically see all this positive stuff it's easy to look at someone and be like oh man they're so successful they're so like they're they're doing well but it's like it's it's not that it's just like one one part of it you know it's a mind fog yeah, it is. Because you're only like, seeing the highlights. Yeah. For some people, they do post, and I always come back to this, they do post those pictures or the videos of them crying. And that's, yeah, it's almost the opposite extreme <laughs> of instead of only posting the highlights, you're just reaching for something. You're trying to get some attention. Maybe or, some like, yeah, like attention or validation. Like, I don't know. I think I have a weird perspective on that. 
or I would have a hard time being a fair judge of that because I don't post like welcome to the club I don't like it you you're know, not a social media guy not really I'll use it to like look at what people are doing and I'm like yeah that's cool you know like it can be great but I go to like post something or I think about it I'm like not worthy of posting you know like that's but like what is there, there's no like guidelines to it you post whatever you want but I don't know I'm just don't share a lot like that I'm the same way if it weren't for the podcast I wouldn't be on I I would probably still be on the platforms but I would be a spectator just watching yeah. like I only post through the podcast mm-hmm. that's well I think it's a cool thing it's like I, I think certain formats for everybody have those like pluses and minuses but when you can find one that lets you like when you find that format that works, it's like this feels I wouldn't say like less formal than a post because like let's be honest, I can post while I'm sitting up I can curled up on my couch, I could post whatever I want. Like you'd think this would be like a little more formal, but it's it feels more like a conversation. It's more natural. It's not like I'm trying to come up with some way to like represent myself. That's my problem. I overthink it. I could sit there on that couch for four hours Mm -hmm. typing and retyping and retyping and never post anything. Dude, I found within the last year, like, as much as I enjoy, like, having time alone, like, I really do. I get, I get, I can get kind of burnt out when I'm around too many people sometimes. It, I do better when I have someone there to, like, kind of reference against, you know, like, I, I moved in with Haley back in June and just having someone in the house to like throw ideas off of and kind of, it, I don't know. I think having someone else near you or at least near me, like makes it easier for me to understand like who I am by comparison. If I'm, if it's just me, it's kind of hard. You kind of lose that. Like, I don't know. I feel like I kind of lose that like sense. It's hard to describe. You lose touch with reality in a weird yeah. way. I felt that way back towards the beginning of COVID, I was, mm-hmm. I wasn't going out. I wasn't seeing anybody. Yeah. And you just, you can kind of go down this rabbit hole and you don't know what's not necessarily what's real, but yeah. you don't have anyone to bounce these ideas off of. Like, hey, is this crazy? Yeah. What am, about this idea? How do we I feel about that? Right yeah. Now? Am I, am I spiraling? What is this? <laughs> is this what that feels like? I can't be spiraling. No, I'm, I'm great. I've got know? it figured out. Yeah. I've got all these answers. <laughs> you ever see, um, always sunny. It's always sunny. And Charlie with like the little red strings. He has like. Is all that the pic- always sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah, I've I've seen bits and pieces, but there's a I see it commonly used on like Twitter as like a reaction where there's like Charlie has like the uh, poster board of like all these pictures, and he has the red strings drawn between them, and he's like proving how everything's connected. He's just kind of crazy. Like I know I know everything that's happening. That's how I felt. Yeah, yeah. I can slip into that. I've noticed mm-hmm. that with myself where. Because I love, I do enjoy time alone. Mm-hmm. That is a self-reflective time for me. Yeah. But you can almost go too dark with that. Or not too dark, but too deep. Mm-hmm. Where you're just self-reflective. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this detrimental point where you're yeah. just digging into yourself. And I'm a big fan of that. Like, you know, I don't think being alone means you have to be lonely. I think, like, more people would probably benefit if they were better at, like, just spending time on their own or being more content with yourself. But it, like it very quickly becomes too much. I think that's a hard thing. I don't know if that's for our generation or it's always been like that. But being able to sit with yourself and with your own yeah. thoughts and not have the social media coming in, not have other inputs coming in, just being able to sit in silence. Mm-hmm. That's a hard thing to do nowadays. Dude, I So I have like 
kind of an extrapolation of this conversation with patients. So I, I work with like every day I'll see a variety of people, right? Like usually, you know. Yeah, we do have, by the way. I might well, see. Um, kind of like all ages, right? So in the same hour, I'll work with someone that's like 75 and someone that's like 10, right? Like, so it's kind of hard finding that like, I don't always get to work with someone that's my own age. So you can talk about like what your experience is growing up, but it's not really like understood fully. I have this conversation where it's like, I think our age range had a very interesting relationship with technology. Like you and I started getting older right as the internet exploded and became, you know, what it is, but it was heavily, it was like so free and like unmoderated. Like, how do you think that's affected us as we've gotten older, right? Just like that access to it, not knowing what any of it was. And it's just like this thing that kind of like inevitably shaped like where we're at and how we are today, I think. It was so new, mm-hmm. right? Nobody had seen it before. Yeah. I, I can remember I created a Facebook account, I think, in sixth grade and hiding that from my parents and going on. I got in so much trouble for doing that same me thing. Me too. <laughs> I got grounded for that. And that I think that sums up our gender. My parents didn't even know what Facebook was back then. Mine did. That was the thing. Oh. Yeah. They did. Now, my parents are on it. Well, my mom's on it now, but I just... I don't think we realized what that meant when mm. we when we had access to that. No, it because we went from we. I think we were the last generation that still rode bikes, played outside, mm-hmm. did these things with friends without phones, and yeah. then we got hit with it. I think ours is the first where you know, like we, uh, my boss and I talked to like a couple. We had we've had like a few more younger people, you know, like athletes like coming through the clinic recently and. We, I don't remember how we got on the discussion, but we were asking, like, when did you get your first phone? Right. So I got mine in middle school, like seventh grade, I think, like Christmas of seventh grade. I got my first phone. What about you? I got mine at graduation day of sixth grade so okay. that I could reach out to friends. So that, like, you know, like approaching middle school or like in middle school and like all the, all the kids kind of said the same thing, you know, like, oh, like seventh, sixth grade. And then the adults in the room were just like, what? You had a phone at that age? But then when we were like, no, it's like, it was good to communicate. Like, I need to be picked up. You know, like, how many times did you know of a kid that, like, their parents forgot to pick them up from school? Me. Yeah. Yeah. My grandpa would would forget to do that every once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) I got left at soccer practice one time, Uh, and all the kids were coming out, and they were like, Nick, do you need a ride? I said, no, my my parents are coming. Everybody's gone. I started walking home. Then my dad found me, like, halfway between the house and the (laughs) soccer field. Like, uh, I was coming. I was like, uh, like, well, how back. am I supposed to know that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't have a phone. I think, I think like in those situations, you know, you can find ways that it's a good thing, but like, I don't know. I've always been kind of like, people are going to do what they want to do. You know, like I think experience comes from like trying the things out and learning, but it's like, as we get older, it's hard to see like the ramifications of, you know, what we, what we saw and like, you know, how easy it was to find some stuff that was just like horrifying. You know, it's crazy. You had access to everything. Literally like everything. everything. Porn, dead bodies, whatever yeah. you could think of, which kids are wild. I think we can acknowledge that. Yeah. Little kids are psychotic. And to give them access to literally all human information. It's, I don't know, man. I I think it led, like as a teen, I think it led to like a certain level of like coldness or like apathy. 
it's like you saw this harsh stuff and you know we grew up like 9-11 happened when we were kids you know like all of these like historical events happened and have continued to happen where it's just i think it's easy for a lot of kids to just disconnect and be like yeah whatever and that's that's just how it is that's the world i worry about that with mm-hmm. the younger generation is they yeah. seem very detached from previous events from yeah. the country as a whole just in just some detached. ways though like i i do think that as we get younger like I, I don't remember where I was reading this. It was either on like, I think it was like a thread on Reddit or something, but there was a teacher talking about their experience of how like a lot of their younger students are generally more empathetic with each other and like more willing to work cohesively and, you know, kind of be willing to learn about each other. But I do see the like, you know, lack of or like, you know, apathy towards like a country, like a larger entity. But like when it comes down to like the person level, it seems like they're a little bit more close. They're a little bit more likely to not like insult you like you know i've watched these words that we said as kids and like heard all the time that were common like in the early 2000s no one says them anymore you know like people are moving towards this like understanding of like yeah well doesn't bug me but like it sure as hell bothers you so i guess i can go without like saying that you know i don't know there is that that drum of progress that plays and it's been kind of amplified through social media because now everybody, mm-hmm. these ideas, if you, if people decide something is wrong, you can push that out there. Yeah. I think it's led to, I think it's easy to fall into that mindset, at least for myself, of being like, oh yeah, man, that was wrong. You know, like, but how often, like when you were a kid, like you made a mistake for something, like the biggest thing isn't just having this like perfect success rate where you never mess up, you never say anything wrong. The bigger thing is like recognizing when you've done that and being like, okay, cool. Like I'll, sorry, I messed up, you know, and then moving forward. Like if you don't allow people to have that time to like figure that out and learn, you're going to just like ostracize these people just by being like, no, you, you said the thing that you didn't know you shouldn't say, you know, like it's, it's kind of, do you feel like that's happening today? I feel like that can be part of what's happening. You know, I, it's kind of like a, a hive mind sort of thing, but. And not to like invalidate it, you know, any of that. I think it can be good. But I think some people like if you don't have as much like life experience and like actually seeing people day to day, nothing is ever that black and white. That's the easy way to think about it is like they're right, I'm wrong or vice versa. Not like, well, they're a little bit right and they're kind of wrong. Like that's harder. That takes more effort to think about and it conceding like oh, i don't like you but you're right on that you know like that's a hard thing to do it is that's the sign of like growing up though i think it's difficult and it's probably tied to social media in some way in that we don't really allow people that room to grow anymore we mm. just because everything happens so fast and we move so fast we expect people to be able to just change their opinions and change their ideas and if you're told something is wrong, you need to immediately jump to that. Yeah. And hit that bar. Like, I don't know. It's hard. And I, I work with a lot of older people, you know? So I work with a lot of people where it's like, obviously there's some that are a little more progressive and are like, kind of like, yeah, the young kids, like they'll figure it out. They know what they're doing. And some that are just like, ah, you know, none of you kids want to work. You guys are all lazy. Like da, 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 as I'm like helping them, like, like I'm right here. What do you think I'm is like, happening I'm right here, man? You know, like it, 
I think working with a lot of people far older than me has like made it easier to keep that perspective of like these people had a completely different life than I did completely different upbringing so it's easy to understand why they might feel that way about something and just kind of letting that ride instead of like trying to lecture this person on how they should be on something it's like come on you know it's it's not my place to do that all the time I think that's the perspective we should all have yeah especially when it comes to the older generation you don't want to make allowances in the sense that you try to justify the actions but are we we're gonna browbeat somebody who's 70 for no. thinking some type of way or doing something that we might not do like i'm very i'm always like a path of least resistance when it comes to people right it's like i don't i can sit i can go to someone and i know i could have like a fight three hours over something pick your battles like i don't have the energy to like do that with everybody you know it, it's hard to maintain that though there's those times. There are those moments where you just oh, you get pushed a little bit, and then it's like, mm, I have something I could say. Then it's just like, nope, it's not worth it. You know, it's like I think I had a lot of moments like that where it's like, in the moment you want to say that thing, you want to have that last like, I got stick you. Stick that knife in just it, a little But then deeper. it's just like I've always regretted doing that. I've never regretted like kind of pulling back a little bit and just nope, it's fine. Not. Not my, you know, not my place right now. That's, that's a sign of maturity is being able to walk away like that and take those moments and not necessarily swallow your pride, but acknowledge it's just not a fight that's mm. worth fighting. Pride something that, you know, I think is kind of at the center of a lot of, a lot of that behavior or your, at least your reaction to it. Right. So that little touch or it's like, oh, that's part of who I am, you know, like a little defensive, but I don't know, realizing that not everything's personal something that was really hard for me to learn. How did you learn that? Was that just a repeated Dude, it's practice? It's something I'm still learning, yeah. to be honest with you. There's people that come in and they're you know, upset about a scheduling issue or upset about something and it's nobody's fault really or I still feel bad. I'm just like, I'm sorry that happened. Like, I wish I could have been better at that. But it's just those re the repeated exposure to it of like, you're not mad at me. You're mad at this situation and I'm just in front of you. Know? and like when you can either help them realize that or you can just understand that dynamic in your head that helps i think but there's still some times where i take that home with me and i'm just like man i'm mad that that happened or like i'm i feel bad about that but not my fault all the time you know and sometimes people just want a punching bag and they can't separate that you're not the person who messed yeah. up the scheduling or it was an accident or this yeah. it happened for whatever reason there's... they just <laughs> want to lash out there's some people that want to fight and you know, I'm not that kind of person. I don't, I don't get anything out of it. I don't get like whatever satisfaction they might. Maybe it's like wanting to be right. You know, I've been there. That's that's a problem I still struggle with, especially mm -hmm. if I'm convinced that I know something. To succumb to too. the idea, yeah, that's a hard yeah. one. To take a step uh, back and say, okay, either agree to disagree, or you know, I'm hearing your points. Maybe I need to mm -hmm. reflect on my own. I think just admitting when it comes to a topic that like you know what i honestly don't know anything about that i don't know enough to be as like serious about it as i am let that one roll off you know being able to do that is something i've noticed as i've gotten a little older is like it's gotten slightly easier but there's still those times there are those moments yep there are those moments when something or someone just presses a button and you you're, 
you're thinking, okay, we're going to, I'm going to let this one, I'm going to take this bite. <laughs> Depending on who I'm with, you know, like, and how much alcohol has been shared between us. There's those times where it's just like, no, I'm right about this. Like you kind of double down, but I feel like in those moments, depending on who you're with, it's, it's not as serious. It's, I don't know. You just like kind of play on the moment a little bit. Yeah. You can play it off. If you're with your friends yeah. and you guys are arguing about something in, in quotes, in right? Quotes. Like, yeah. yeah, it's not that serious. There's nothing on, there's nothing on the line there. Just, yeah. Cause you guys know, I think that's the biggest takeaways. You guys know, the other person you yeah. know that you're not a bad person and mm -hmm. not that out of spite or out of malice you guys are friends you mm -hmm. know that their intentions are right and being with a friend is you know like being like tr i think truly friends with someone is knowing that like yeah you know i think most of the time like you know you and i agree on stuff and i think i trust your moral compass is like you know i trust that you know what you're doing and then also recognizing that like your friends have the capacity to do things that you don't like and do things that you would look at as bad and that like in their eyes you're just as likely to do the same thing and part of that is not like i had this thing where you know it's your friend and it's like you put them on this pedestal of like i like you a lot and i put these like qualities on you that may not be there like oh i think you're much smarter than i am like i think you know i really you always know what you're doing and i think people do that with celebrities too but it's like they're a human they're gonna make mistakes and it's recognizing your position as a friend you're like yeah you know that wasn't good what are you gonna do the celebrity one is a weird one yeah because you don't even know the person i don't i've never understood it i don't I get it never understood it and people will ride for them and you've never met the person i could understand if it was a separated friend and you knew them at one point in time and you're yeah. trusting them because of how you knew them but for a celebrity you never met that's one that trips me out to this day like i get it you know like you you get something i've had to start looking at it as like it's just not my form of entertainment and if it's yours like cool whatever you know like that's i'm not gonna judge you for that but i do find that like you see people like upset when like a celebrity couple breaks up you know or they're like offended by something that they did that isn't like an outward thing you know like they tweeted something awful like insulting you it's like they had like a disagreement with another one of their friends and you're offended by that and it's like dude why they do not know that you exist yeah, they don't really care about your opinion it's like how how dare you make that decision it's like dude they don't know you like they're just living their life like i don't i've never understood it it ties back into the the idea of that pedestal yeah. we're, we're constantly doing that i don't know if that's just human nature or society that we're now a part of yeah but your inclination is to see someone that you think is at a different place than you are or a better place and you put them on that pedestal i don't know how empirical it is i remember reading an article probably when we were in high school i think or sometime around that time it was like people if you find someone attractive you are more likely to like also view them under that positive light right like you see someone attractive and you're like oh i bet you're also smart I bet you're also a really kind person and I bet you're very successful based off of that one like positive trait that you notice. I catch myself doing that a lot. Even I, for strangers? Yeah. I, I still catch myself doing that. It's something I did all throughout high school. It's like you see the popular kid and I'm like, man, I bet they're doing everything right. You know, and it's as you get older, you understand that's not quite the case, but I still catch myself in that moment every once in a while. It's hard. It's hard to pull out of that. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, I don't I don't know why I don't know why we slip into that. Even when we recognize it, we can still slip into that. Yeah. Which is the weird part. I think it easier. <laughs> well, I mean It doesn't, uh-huh. it doesn't. Yeah. You can recognize things more when you have a little more experience, but recognizing something and knowing how to fix that situation are two very different things. It's like I can be as self aware as I want, but that doesn't change anything. You just understand what you're doing. You know, which is almost worse. Then you're recognizing all these mistakes and you're not changing anything. Yeah. I'm then just it's in just a cycle. Ah, uh, that that was a thought process for quite a long time. Was know? being in a cycle. Yeah, of just like thinking that self awareness is equivalent to like fixing problems. It's like, oh, but I understand why I do these things. Like, you know, I, I'm thinking that that's like the key to it, and it's like not really. It's just like. You can know, it's like, you know what you're supposed to do, but doing it is the thing that's going to help. So it's like crossing that kind of like threshold. I I know I should go study. I know I should be like preparing for this. I know I should do something else. But if I don't do it, then, you know, what am I getting out of it? And that's where it gets frustrating. You're not seeing the progress. You're recognizing Mm -hmm. the problem. You're not implementing anything to address the problem. And it's not changing. (laughs) Shocker. <laughs> yeah. How crazy is that? I'm sure you run across that a lot with the gym where you're working PT is you're saying, hey, we need to eat this way. We're, we need to do these things or and work these not, movements. And in like the clinic, you know, that's not something we really get into. You know, the nutrition side of things is like even, you know, having studied what I did, like you lightly touch on nutrition. Um, it's that's like a whole ballpark where I like I don't know a whole lot. You know, I know like anecdotal stuff that I've heard from sources that I like, you know, like. But I don't get into that. I do see that in terms of like wanting something to be fixed physically, but not understanding that like there is a lot of time and effort that goes into that. And that's like like selling people on that idea, I think is a very it can be a very hard thing. Some people come in knowing that and are like, yeah, it's going to hurt, but I'm stubborn and I'm going to fix it need a little more coaching is to like yeah this stuff works you know like try it and then some people are just like no nothing you're going to do is going to help me this is just like a next this is just you know like a segue to the next step in terms of fixing the problem so it's hard like you feel like you want to just make it right you just want to fix like fix that thing the thought that's kept kind of like circling back to me is like, you're not going to fix someone yourself. Like you're giving someone the tools, whether it be like knowledge, you know, information, confidence, like you're giving them the tools that they need to fix themselves. You're giving them the, the equipment they need to figure this problem out on their own because 90% of what they do in that recovery is not with us. It's at home or wherever they do it. So I don't know. It's like letting go of that, like, I will make something better and being like, no, I'm here to show you how to do that yourself. You know? Is that the hardest part is knowing I know how we can fix this. It's just going to take time and you have to actually do the exercises. In a sense. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, there's so many things like I, you know, I'm I still have to go to school to be in that physical therapist position. I'm not there yet. I'm just an aide to one. But you, you tend to see these like behavioral patterns and it's like man, like, I know you could do so much better. Like, you, you know, you see them working and it's like, you're good at that. Like, you could you could do so much more. 
But just because you see that in someone doesn't mean they want that. And that is like a hard thing. It's like, I want to see people be the best that they can be. I want everyone around me to be the best they can be. But you can't force that to happen just in the same way that you can't, like someone's not going to force you to do something you don't want to do. There's that quote, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. It's what rings around in my head all the time. All the time. No matter how bad you want to help somebody, they have to want to help themselves. There was a show. That's where I got the like, you know, that quote from, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, no, I'm not helping you. I'm helping you help yourself. Like that kind of attitude of like, in the end, it's your own effort. In the end, it's your desire to do something. I can't make you have that. You can't put that into somebody. Mm -mm. Not if they don't want it. And that's fine. And you have to just let that one roll off and be like, okay. focus instead on the person in front of you. Do a lot of people come in with that perspective? Because these are people that normally have some injury, right? And are trying to rehab that. Yeah, that in, in general, that's the, the reason. So, you know, you have to show like, yeah, this thing hurts, you know, whatever it may be. There's acute injuries like, oh, someone really messed up their ankle. We get a lot of breaks. Like someone comes in with a fractured ankle or, you know, a lot of surgical patients, you know, coming off of surgery, obviously you need a lot of care to make sure that that like that recovery process is good. So you get, you really get like a mixed bag and being in a somewhat rural area like we are, you know, you see kind of everything. Fortuna was a lot of ranchers, you know? So you like you, the clinic is like kind of a representation of the area you're in because you get that, like you're drawing from the community. That's where people are coming from, you know? You know, all kinds of different people, but that variety is fun. You know, you have the people that are just like, man, you know, it's, it's hard. I have to kind of like think of like, how am I going to try and change your outlook on this today? And then there's some people that come in and it's just like, I, this is going to be a relatively relaxed period. You know, it's, like I'm watching someone that I know is progressing well. They're coming here to work. Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I love the people that come in and want to work and really want to better themselves. And that relationship is good, but you can't just have that. I think there's a lot of learning to be done from people that don't see it the same way as you. And that is like, I don't know. I think you learn from the conflict. I don't think you necessarily learn when things are really easy. And I think finding ways to get someone to understand or finding ways to like change how I'm going to say something or, you know, or even changing my own outlook on something like is something you have to be open to. But I think it lets you like, Everyone that comes in is an opportunity to learn, whether it's about people, something we talk about, or like what I do for a living. So being open to that, I think, is, you know, kind of makes that easier. Well, you have a very healthy perspective about it. Yeah, I mean, easy to say. Like, it's so, harder to practice. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I love people. I really do. There's some days where it's like, man, just like working in front of a screen would be easier than what I'm doing right this moment. It sounds so nice. But the moments that are good are so good that it, it gets rid of that for me. That it's like, man, you know, you, it's kind of a unique profession in the sense that you'll see a doctor for a follow-up every once in a while and they're just like, all right, man, looks good. Or, you know, I've got to try this, whatever. We work with people 
we'd say the average prescription is like eight to 12 sessions, usually. 16 being for like some surgeries and things like that. See people on average, let's say like five to eight times. That's 45 minutes, you know, anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour a session. Spending a couple hours with people. And like when you see them walk out and like you, you show them like you get like a final comparison of the numbers at the end when they're, you know, they're, they're ready to work on this fully on home at home. And you see just like how much progression they've had. It's a beautiful thing. You know, it's, that's what I do that for because it's like, man, you know, you see someone able to do the things they want to do again. That's the cool part. You know, we had a patient a while back, um, he was seeing us just like general deconditioning and like balance. And at the end of it, uh, his last appointment, you know, I'm talking to him, sweet older gentleman. And he goes, you know, since I started doing this, I'm like working on this. I have not once fallen and I haven't even gotten close to falling. And that peace of mind is something I can't pay for. You know, and that was like, damn, that stuck with me, you know, like just teaching someone that or just like giving that to someone is a cool thing. Is that the standard for a lot of the older people that are coming in is a fall? I mean, you know, you balance is like exercising, right? It's a use it or lose it thing. And if you don't work on it, like obviously it's easier for us to maintain as when we're younger, right? Like you don't think about it. And then one day you're like, until you challenge it, you're like, man, I can't do that. Like stand on one foot, like, man, I can't do that anymore, you know? So yeah, there, there's that part of it, but not, not all of the older people that come in are fall risks or, you know, a lot of them aren't. It's, it really depends on what you're getting sent to us for. Um, a lot of people are chronic pain. That's a common one. That scares me. Especially, I mean, where we lift, you know, you, that's the thing that you hear about the most is these injuries that just come from the repetition of it or Mm -hmm. not using the correct form or blowing out your shoulder, trying to bench Mm -hmm. and hit a PR. Yeah. I, I think about that a lot when I'm in the gym and I see people and I'm like, I'm never going to be the person that comes up and gives unsolicited advice. I've done it one time. I saw a younger kid doing an exercise i think he was trying to do like a bent over row with dumbbells and it just like it was i was like you're gonna hurt yourself quickly doing that and i just told him a couple things and tried it and that's the one time i've done that i won't go up to anyone it's not my i don't feel like it's my place to i no one's gonna enjoy that like hey you're doing this wrong and it's how obviously how you approach it right but i can't do it even in just the nature of approaching it right that's the hardest Mm -hmm. part is you don't want to be, you just don't want to make somebody feel uncomfortable. And sometimes that's yeah. at the expense of, hey, I've, I've got some advice. Like, I know what I'm talking about. I could yeah. help correct that form for you. I never want to come off that way. It's hard. You know, it's like, oh, if I could just, no. No, I, I don't know if that's the wrong way to look at it, but I don't know. I, I feel worse just like intruding on that situation and. A lot of people probably wouldn't receive it well. That's fine. Yeah. I don't know how people would would receive it, right? Because you don't want you just don't want to be the guy that makes somebody feel uncomfortable in the gym. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. That's the last thing I want to do. Yeah. Everybody's in there just to work out. And I don't know about you, but when I go into the gym, I 
rarely even talk to people. I'll talk to you. I'll say hi. Yeah, you know, we'll but say what's up. I'll, like, I'll say what's up and keep it moving. Yeah. That's my thing. You and I literally every time have just been like, fist pump, what's up? How you doing? Yeah. Cool. Straight back to what Because you run doing. into that. There's yeah. always that one person in there that you say hi to and then they want to talk for just an hour. Shit. And your workout is gone. It's like, yeah. oh, well, now I don't have time to work out because we just yeah. BS for 45 minutes. There's there's times where it, you know, I enjoy that, but that's not that doesn't tend to be a place where I enjoy that happening. And especially now, it's like I'm usually working like after I working out, like after I get off work, like I get make it to the gym around seven o'clock at night. It's like I have other stuff to do, you know, working and going to school. Like I have other stuff to do before I go to bed and then I have to be at work in the morning again anyway. So it's like this is my one time I have to do this. Yeah, that's my MO. It's just lock lock focus. Yeah, we're going to go in here. We're going to throw some weight around and then <laughs> we're going to get out. Yeah. I try to, but I don't know. It's I was working out with like, you know, like you mentioned with my little brother a lot and it's hard not having that anymore. Is not he not around anymore? No, he is. So okay. he's, I mean he's sixteen, so he's he's still gonna be here for a while. But I moved out and not having and our schedules are different, so like he gets off he gets out of class early, earlier than I do. So I wouldn't ask him to wait until like six o'clock at night, you know, six thirty at night to come work out with me he's gonna work out like right after he gets off class it's lighter you know it's better for him that's fine he's actually way more consistent in the gym than i am right now i have lifted like i can count on two hands the number of times i've lifted in the last like two months like month and a half um but not having that person there like depending on a ride to go to the gym or just having them with you is so hard you don't have it's like it was a source of motivation for me like if i don't go to the gym this guy can't go either you know like i have to nut up and go and now it's like it's easy to just go eh tomorrow it's too easy to brush it off it is of, i'll you know i'll make up for it tomorrow I'll and do that's even, cardio, i'll do this that's even after getting out of that slump for like what probably like three four years where i wasn't really working out ever like when i transferred to sf state they, they just built like a new multi-million dollar gym i used it twice in my time there that thing was incredible and now i come back here and i'm just like I should have used that gym so much more, man. It was so good. All nice new equipment. It was so good. Two stories. Like, it was so good. And I don't know. I've been catching myself falling back into that behavior recently of just like focusing on all the stuff I have to be doing and kind of neglecting the gym again. Well, so, life catches up. Yeah. And it's that weird thing of you just get drained throughout your day and then the idea of going and, you know, lifting heavy. Thank you. Oh, could you snag me a beer, actually? I got to take. My headphones off. I'm getting some weird feedback. We're having some tech issues today. Um, you can take them off if you want, or you can wear them. I'm not getting. I'm getting some weird though. feedback okay. online for some reason. Um, did you? I I didn't know that you didn't get into lifting. I would have guessed back when you were playing football for the high school. Yeah, I did. And <laughs> play is a relative term on the team, right? Is the is the joke? But um, yeah, I like I started working out. You know, end of sophomore year. I was on the team junior and senior year and lifted on my own, albeit like very poorly, like not much like knowledge of how to do it. And I continued for a couple months after and it slowly tapered off, you know, like it's not like one day you just stop. It's like, okay, this week I, I worked out five times and the next week it's four and then it like holds it four and then it's like three and two and then it's like, you just don't. And that happened. and. I didn't really start working out again until, well, I wasn't even really working out. Last December, 
I or like December of yeah, it would have been 2020. I finally was like, man, I got to start tracking what I eat again. And I don't track anymore, but like at the time I was like, okay, I got to start something, right? Started tracking and then started doing like at-home workouts, you know, based off like Instagram, like people I followed and I was like, okay, I can get back into it. And Dylan and I were just like crushing the at-home workouts like all the time. And it's kind of, it was kind of a fun period to be honest, like, you know, just like the COVID home workouts, you know, whatever. Um, and then I don't remember if it was like Haley's friend that decided to do it or her roommate, but they started the 75 hard. And so I did that with her. And that was some like incredible motivation. I think having a set, like it was almost like a game. You know, it was like, I have this that I have to do every single day. And having, it was almost like that exterior or like external like motivation of like, well, she's doing it. So I have to be doing it too. That was awesome. It was, it was rough. There was a couple of days I, you know, obviously didn't do the whole thing perfectly, but I like, by the end of it, I was the lightest I had been since my sophomore year of high school. I've always been a little bit bigger, you know, like always kind of chubby, like never really in shape. And yeah, that was like fun and I maintained it, but slowly stopped. <laughs> okay. And it's, it's easy, man. It's helpful having somebody to work out with mm-hmm. and having someone to kind of depend on you in that way or to push you in that yeah. way. I would work out with, you were talking about my sister working out in the morning. Yeah. We periodically over the years when we've lived together, or lived around each other, have worked out together. And it's fun because she's kind of the same way that we are where she'll work out, but like we're not talking throughout the whole thing or yeah. trying to get in between sets. She'll do her thing. I'll do mm-hmm. my thing. But we're working out together. Yeah. And just having that is cool. Just knowing, okay, well, I'm going to go hit the gym. She's going to be there too. We're going to work out. This is what we're doing. It doesn't even have to be together. It's just like knowing you have that person there, I think, is enough of a motivator for some people. You know, Dylan and I definitely talk more. Like when we work out, we'll bullshit while we're, we're lifting, whatever. Like we try not to let it get in the way of what we're doing at all. But there's, there's some times where it's like, okay, we talked a little bit too much. Like, Come on, okay, get back into it. You know, go, go finish your lift. It's your set. Like, I don't know. I miss it. It was like the little camaraderie. It was fun. And seeing him like pick up on this skill and like lifestyle and not like obsessing over Like that was my big fear when I started doing this with him was like, I made sure like when he was talking to me about content creators, he was watching because the fitness industry on social media is one of the most like bastardized, like so full of misinformation because it's a really trendy thing right now. And I think that's a good thing. I think like the fo- a focus towards like your own health is a wonderful thing. But like any other kind of like craze, not even really a craze, but like kind of a trend there. There's so many people capitalizing on it. And there's so many like kids and teenagers that are watching this that like don't know who's telling the truth. That don't know like what kind of like credentials to look out for a lot of it like the stuff that sounds good is bullshit the stuff that's like kind of boring is usually true you know that's the hard thing to convince people of for sure and like you said that community has exploded on social media i don't know why i don't know how that i don't know if it's a backlash from covid but in part it's gotten huge the instagram fitness yeah inspiration people 
Yeah, Gymshark is, you know, I think Gymshark is actually a good example of that. I had to write like a, I had to do like a, a market, like a marketing assignment for, oh, it was one of the kinesiology courses I took, but it was, uh, it was like introduction to like sports and business management. So like how being in the athletic industry can be turned into a job or like, you know, like facility management or just like looking at companies that market towards like that population in general. Gymshark had one of the like best marketing campaigns out of any company. And I think that's a lot of it. They like kind of pushed the colorways. They pushed like athletic gear that looked really good on people. And I think that is an attractive thing to sell. That is like, look, our stuff is synonymous with this dude that is just like just shredded. shredded. So part of what I had to do with with Dylan was be like, yeah, you know, these guys look really good. And obviously they work very hard. And I don't say this to like pick on anyone that does decide, you know, to use gear or to, which like, I don't care, like do whatever the hell you want. There was a standup comedian I saw one time that was like, I think there should be a second Olympics for people that are just like juiced to the absolute gills just to see like what they could do. And I think that would be hilarious, right? Just be honest about it. And I had to tell him, like, you know, most of these people, like, they do use gear. They also have, like, this is their lifestyle. They dedicate seven days a week to this because they get paid to do that. So temper your expectations. You know, like, not everyone is going to look like that. But it's not as easy as they make it seem to be either. Yeah. Was that hard to do with him? Not really. He's he's, he's, He's got his head on pretty straight. He's always been a really, like... Like, it blows me away talking with him sometimes, just, like, the emotional maturity that he has at his age compared to, like, how I thought of myself at 16, you know? He's, like, he's doing some he's doing some good stuff. Like, not only is he, like, working hard in school, you know, like, exploring, like, the medical sciences and, like, going to these events, like, in the summer to, to check that shit out, like, He's good with people. And that's something it's like, it's cool you have like the ability to be smart and the ability to like work on these things. But the fact that you have such a like wholesome understanding of people and like care about people is what's going to get you there. You know? It's an underrated value. It's not as productive in most scenarios. Yeah. You can't quantify it as well as you can your ability to memorize not this in every book. field. Not in every field. I think you can get away with less compassion and less like human understanding in a lot of fields but you know it's very obvious to the person you're talking to you know (laughs) the gear trend is interesting yeah i mean 90 percent of the people well i shouldn't say that but you see a lot of people on instagram especially Mm -hmm. and there's just this weird attitude around it of we're not gonna say we're gonna keep this kind of under wraps why why not just say hey i work out i bust my ass i don't think it takes away from the work you're doing no, no, in the no, no, gym. No. I could sit here and blast, you know, however much I wanted to. And if I don't do anything, I'm not going to look yoked. I'm not going to look that good. I'll probably lose some fat just as like a byproduct. I might look a little better, but all, all, all I'm going to end up with is a, a wicked anger problem and like not a better body, depending on what kind of like substances you mix, you know, like it's all different. But like, 
they have to work really hard to get that, and that's fine. I don't think it should be as like stigmatized, or at least they think it is, you know? I don't care. I also don't understand, like, a lot of the pride in being, like, natty. Like, sure, cool, that's fine. If it's something you want to do, go for it. But if it's not in a competition where that's not allowed, I don't understand the, like, like the holier than thou, like, oh, well, I've never used it. Cool. Good for you. Do you want, like, a... A medal for that? Do you want a medal for that? Yeah. Like... I think that's the exact attitude that it is. The holier than that than thou. Oh, yeah. I've got this badge. Oh, that guy looks like that because he's on gear. I I that's put in the out. real work. Yeah. That's for sure a cop. It's out. a way to just diminish the other person. Hundred percent. Of just like you know, it's it's easy to be bitter. It really is. And in that's the, the inclination is to be bitter. Yeah. You got something that I want, and yeah, you did this thing that makes it easier. But like, I'm going to not think of anything that I'm not doing that I could be. And I'm instead just going to pin it all on that. And that makes me feel better. You know, that's crazy. And it's a good bump to your ego. If you're not where you want to be and you see someone that is, yeah. you can kind of pull them back down to your level it by saying, oh, it. this guy, he didn't really work that hard. Mm-hmm. He's just, you know, he's in the bathroom shooting up every week. So It's easy, it's easy to think about. Yeah. It really is. Because it, it makes you feel so good. Makes you feel so like accomplished. It gives you a cop out. Yeah. It you know. I don't know. It it just never like bothered me. I don't care. I don't care like how successful you are in that regard. How are you like if we're gonna if you're talking to someone like that's I don't know. The the one thing about people that like tends to stand out to me the most or I think matter to me most is like how do you treat other people? You know, like there's a lot of people like we went to school with that are like, yeah, I'm cool with them. I never had an issue with them. But you like you can just see how people interact with other people. And it's like, I don't like how you treated a lot of people. You were never mean to me. That doesn't mean I like, I don't know. It's weird. Like I have that relationship with a bunch of people. It's like, yeah, we were cool. But I didn't like how they talked to anyone. I think they were like awful to a lot of people, you know? It's weird to think about. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it falls back on them. Well, they didn't do it to me. So yeah. why should I? You know, they were always cool with me. I never yeah. had a problem with them. Yeah, they might have been an asshole to this person, but yeah. I think that one gets me is like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I get them. And I don't know why you were. I don't know the whole situation, but I t- I just noticed that. It's like, okay, I'm not going to like hold it against you or anything, but I remember that. I saw that, you know. Well, it's something to be aware of. Yeah, definitely. You I think that's ju- what I mean. You like, can tell a lot from a person by the way they treat yeah. other people, and especially people that they think are below them. Yeah. You can get a real sense of who somebody is. Mm-hmm. Not to say they can't change. I think high school is an interesting... It's a... T- interesting yeah. field. Because no... I don't think anybody in high school really knows who they are. And I don't And I don't look at like any of the people like that and think, like, oh, they're probably the same person. Oh, yeah, you know? no. Like, I, I, I'm like, I just remember that, but, like, I... I have that like part of me that's like, I hope you had those moments of like, damn, that's how I was. You know, you think like you've only ever been doing the greatest thing all the time, you know, like, or that you never did anything wrong. I think that's like a real sign, like a lack of like development. Like you should be able to look back at things you did as a kid and be like, not to be ashamed of them, but to be just like, okay, having the perspective that like I know better now is a really important thing. 
That all comes from just learning those painful lessons. I still feel that way. I'll do something and the next day or that night, look back at it and think, why did I, why did I do that? Why did I have to learn that lesson that way? Oh, dude, you'll have these interactions with someone. It's like, that's what I think about. Like, I'm going to sleep and I'm like. I'm sorry, can you pull that just a little bit closer? Yeah. You don't have to move. You can pull it out. You're a little more comfortable. How's that? Perfect. Better? Are you doing any? Good? Okay. Um, It's like, you're trying to go to bed and I'm like, why did I say that to that person? I'm like, that's just like that cringe of just like, Ugh. that's my biggest one, especially doing this is those moments of conversation where you say something yeah. that you shouldn't have said, or you could have expanded on something and you didn't, and you just left it hanging mm-hmm. and you're thinking I could have handled that or even just daily interactions. I could have handled that better mm-hmm. and you didn't. And yeah. it stings and you're thinking, oh, I should have, should have done this or I should have zigged when I zagged. Yeah. I think it's it's easy to look back at all of that in retrospect. And oh, I'm trying to remember what it was from. I think it was uh, Steve Jobs. He had a quote on that that I, I really appreciate. I think about it often. Um, he was giving like a college like graduation speech and he was like, you can't, you can never connect the dots moving forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. Like the whole point was like, so don't try to, you know, I was like, obviously I can look back at everything I did or. You can do it with other people too. Like, how did you not see that? It's like, duh, fucking Captain Hindsight. Like, you see the whole situation and its outcome. In the moment, it's a very different thing. It's hard to, you can't predict. And you, like you said, you shouldn't really try to. You just have to be in that moment and then learn from it. Mm -hmm. That's the key is you have to learn from it. You have to look back so you can see, yes, it was a painful lesson. I wish I didn't have to learn it. Oh God! Man. But I went through it, and now I'm just gonna make sure that I don't hit that mark again. Those are like the strongest lessons, you know, the ones where it was just like I had one of those yesterday. We did we had a podcast, and it got heated, and it got not that it wasn't great. I should preface it with that it was a great conversation. Yeah. I really enjoyed the whole thing. Really, it just it got a little heated at the end, and I went home and. I mean, immediately after I knew it was one of those painful lessons yeah. that I was going to stick with me and it was going to, you know, irk, irk me for mm-hmm. however long. And I went home and I was talking to my parents about it. And this is one of those lessons. You're, it's painful and you got to learn from it, but you will be better off because it happened. Exactly. And it's always been a proponent of like, obviously you want things to be good, right? That's like nice. That's Nobody wants conflict. Nobody, yeah, wants, nobody pain. wants conflict. Nobody wants suffering. Not everybody wants conflict. That's true. Yeah. Some people live for that. Call back to earlier. Some people do. I don't, right? I think your average person probably doesn't want to fight more than they have to. Like, you don't, I don't learn when things are great because you don't think about it. You just move on. Yeah. When th- it happens and it passes. When things really are like shitty and things really are hard. That's when I'm like, okay, man, I I feel like I'm growing from this. Sometimes it feels like there's years where you're growing a lot in a little bit of time. And it's like, oh, God, can this just stop for a little bit, please? But, you know, like in general, it's like the hard shit is what I learned from. The easy stuff, it's a good byproduct, I guess. Nobody grows when they're comfortable. Yeah. And now I, I don't, now I don't want to go to the other extreme of being like David Goggins, where it's like you should kind of hate yourself. And like, he's a... He he is out there. Yeah, so he's inspirational for sure. I don't think that's healthy though. Have you read his book? I haven't read his book, but you know, I've watched like 
lot of the stuff he's done and the stuff he's said and it's like yeah i get like the point that you're doing is like work hard and like yeah you get stuff from working hard that's fine but also like not everybody can just just like lose their mind like that become obsessed yeah it's it's not healthy all the time i think having a good amount of discipline is really healthy but not to the point where you're like i can never have any positive thing because of the goal like it's a little it's a little intense you can become obsessed easily i think we need people like that though you do to show that it's possible to show that maybe you are just being a little lazy today you could get off the couch you could go for a run you could do these things i don't know that you have to go run you know on broken feet for (laughs) on you know for a ridiculous amount of time 40 miles through death valley you don't have to go do an ultra marathon Uh, (laughs) i think that's safe to say but you could do things it's discipline and that's the hardest thing for us is being disciplined Mm -hmm. yeah and it's because i kind of relate back to that behavior of like i'm always been kind of like all or nothing and so it's hard when it's like man i'm i can only really focus on this thing if it's all i'm doing if it's like i give a, a thousand percent to it but it's better in the long run to have like pay like a moderate level of attention to it and like kind of just be diligent about it when it's even if it's not some like herculean effort towards it it's like the maintenance of that is the hard part not those spurts of like massive productivity or massive like work on it and then just ignoring it you know that's easier than just like the kind of day-to-day working on like just being on top of it all the time i go back and forth a lot with that idea especially in relation to doing those podcasts yeah is i feel like i have to sacrifice everything and i'm willing to do that i'm willing to i mean i really i do this i work out and i go to work yeah and that's i don't go out i don't do these other things i try to be disciplined with this and i constantly get into these talks with my mom where she says you need to be going out you need to go see your friends you need to take a weekend off you need to go do this do that and she's right to an extent you want to have a healthy social life and want to be able to see your friends and hang out and just outside for a sunday and sit in the sun it's exactly like what we talked about earlier but then you fall i always fall back on the idea nobody that's truly successful in their craft or that's might not be true but everyone that is extremely successful has the same mantra you have to be disciplined and it has to be 110 percent you can't go you know take a night off you can't go do this you have to give it everything every second that you're awake needs to be honing your craft how do you find the balance in that? There is none. Yeah. That's the thing. I think that's the David Goggins mantra. For sure. Give it everything. If you have a second, if you have a lunch break, if you have a bathroom break, you're going to go for a run. You're yeah. not going to just sit on Sprint your phone. My ass to the bathroom. Yeah. You're not going to go hang out with your friends, grab a beer on a Friday yeah. night. You are going to work on your craft. You know, I, there's a part of me that really does like, want to fall into that and just be like yeah if i just like sacrifice all of that and just sacrifice myself go nuts with that i can get what i want and it's you know that's that's true to an extent you know like i could drop all of the things i care about and the people i care about and only focus on like right now i'm working on applications to like i'm applying to physical therapy school 
I'm working and I'm studying for like, I'm studying for the prerequisites. I'm taking chem and it's like, I could drop everything in all social interactions and do that. But what I found is like, and obviously I'm not this, you know, multi-billionaire successful person, dude. Like, you know, so what, what do I know about, the, what about this shit? But I find that like those moments where I take the time to do that, there's like these little gems hidden in there. There's these little gems of like, if I didn't come do this thing, I wouldn't have met this person. And this person, it's usually the people that I don't expect either. It's people you just kind of happen to meet, like, that totally change your outlook on something, at least for me. And it's those little times where I just let something happen that isn't part of that, like, hard routine that, like, you know, kind of make me rethink how I think about people or give me that energy to to keep pushing at something because it's like I can put my nose on the grindstone for so long but then I lo- I'm not looking at anything else but that and then it's like I lose the sense of like why I'm doing it what am I doing it for what's the point so it's those check-ins with me for me like where I I have a cool conversation with someone and it's like you know I may not ever see that person again but like I learn a little bit and it's those check-ins that I'm like, yeah, that's this is why I do this. This is why I want to do that. But if I don't give myself the time to have those, then I think I can get so good at something, but then I lose the human aspect of it too. Obviously, for some careers, I think it's a little more, it's easy to do that. I think it depends on how much you deal with people. You know? That's the counter to that, right? Mm-hmm. And that is important. Because... Being that disciplined and grinding yourself into the mm-hmm. ground and, you know, breaking down your body. If you want to take it to a physical level of what Goggins did. Yeah. Beating yourself into the ground like that. It only pays off if you live long enough to see the fruit of that labor. That's the thing. If you dedicate your, you know, your life to something of trying to get to this place that you deem worthy or willing of that sacrifice. If you get hit by a car halfway through, you're not going to be thinking, man, I wish I would have spent 20 extra minutes honing my craft. You're going to think, why didn't I celebrate my kid's birthday? Why was I at work instead of at, you know, dinner with my wife? Why did I not get to see my friend that Friday night when they needed me and I was in the office? Yep. It only pans out if you live long enough to see the fruit of that labor. That's the balance. Is you could dedicate, you could... Be ruthless in your dedication. Mm-hmm. And on your deathbed, if it happens halfway through that, you're not going to be thinking, I should have worked harder. You're going to think, I should have taken more time for the things that really matter. I, uh, it's hard, right? The, the, worst, the worst part about the whole thing, both of those ideologies are perfectly right. Because at the end of the Who's day... Who's right? How do you pick one? Because at the end of the day... Like it's both because you're, you're building this framework to accomplish a thing. Right. And that's fine. Like you can do that. You can follow that. And you, you know, considering everything works out correctly, you're lucky enough, um, but combined with the hard work, you can get that. But like, what are we doing this all for? What? You know, that's a sub- completely subjective thing because there's not like, hell, there might be, there might be some ultimate, like perfect reason for why we're all doing this. And, you know, you can go, you can get into that, like, 
are we choosing what we're doing or is it just all planned to happen anyway you can look at it however you want it really doesn't matter like just do what you you want to be doing like i'm not doing this career obviously it's one that like we'll we'll pay decently i'm not doing this for the money i'm doing this because it's something i'm interested in and i get to learn about people and i think that like i could just like go nuts and dedicated i could be the best physical therapist on this goddamn planet and know exactly like the response to all of these surgeries these procedures like know exactly how to rehab everything and that's great but all of it is like what i'm interested in like the times where i my as much as i want everything to be planned out and make sense to me the moments that i'm most fond of are the ones that came when i finally was just like Okay, I'll do this even though I'm not comfortable. And then I, like, I'm just like, man, I that person blew me away. Or I take a shot in a conversation and I'm like, let's throw this out there and see. You know, I going back to like working with older people. You know, I'm working with people that have lived, you know, three or four times as long as I have. So. I could listen to them and, you know, if they're telling me like, yeah, you know, like just putting your nose down and they seem pretty happy, like, okay, cool. Like you can do that and be, you know, seem fulfilled. But, you know, you get some people, and there's one guy in particular, he was, he was into late 70s, you know, still athletic, like still in really good shape. But just every conversation with this dude was awesome because he was just as interested in people and he he got me with a really good one. Uh, he always, every conversation with him was just like, I just loved working with him because it was just these little like nuggets of wisdom every single time I talked to him, right? And, you know, I was talking about how easy it is to fall into that trap of like, if someone cuts me off and it's like, oh, you're an asshole. Like, you're an idiot. Like, these are all things I will still say 100% of the time I'm in the car. I feel like I'm a relatively well-adjusted person, you know, behind the camera, behind the microphone get me behind a car and someone cuts me off, I'm going to say, I'm going to curse you. Oh yeah, you we're and, going to war. I'm going to curse you and your entire bloodline, right? I'm never going to like do anything aggressive. I'm never going to be that stupid. But you're going to get a like, like I'm going to scream at someone, right? He was like, you know, one thing that helped me was I stopped looking at that person and being like, you're an asshole. It's like, no, you're doing something I don't like. You're doing, your behavior is what an asshole would do. That doesn't mean that's what you are. but that's what that's what I think of what you're doing at the moment and recognizing that you know like talking to someone that's a lot older it's like that carries a lot of weight for me because you know they've lived a long lot longer than I have and you can't even fathom like what three times what we've already lived feels like you know we've already had our whole lifetime of info what's three times that feel like dude there's no way to know until we get there and the experience that comes along with yeah. that. I mean, old people are a great resource. I feel like they're kind of brushed aside mm -hmm. in society nowadays. But they have a lot to offer. They, they have, can. <laughs> yeah. Some some are a little, yeah. little hard-headed. You talk like, to them and you're kind of rolling your eyes. You're thinking, what? How did you make it this far? Trust what me, is... I've gotten good at navigating that scenario. Yeah. And being like, yeah, we're not going to talk about this right now. Man, how's the weather outside? Like, you know. Yeah, it's it's a weird balance. And I always fall back. Do you remember Haley Lamb? Yeah, I do. I always fall back on Haley because she 
and don't quote me on this. I don't. I don't remember exactly what she said. Don't quote you on the camera. I know, right? right? (laughs) I think at one point she was eating one meal a day to try to get to her goals, which is not. I think we could both acknowledge probably not healthy. Statistically, you actually end up. So people that do that, like kind of like starve. Uh, This is from literature from like back when I was early in college. So the stats could have changed a little bit. Statistically, most people that follow that kind of crash diet where it's like i'm starving myself i'm really dropping down i think it was like seven, sixty to 70 percent. don't quote me on that statistic either but in general you end up higher you end up weighing more than you did when you started that because your body goes into that crisis mode also but it's like the mental aspect of like that extreme restriction and then like it, it promotes like a you know like a starvation kind of binging behavior because it's like i've taken so much away from myself now i want all of it like it there's no overindulge yeah she was doing that not for a diet or anything she was doing that to save money she was hard set on she wanted to buy real estate and that was her goal and yeah she's achieving it yeah oh it's it's admirable but being that dedicated for something i don't know what it would take for me to eat one meal a day for something i don't think i can i mean how crazy but that's david goggins you're yeah. that dedicated to achieving your goal that you were going to eat one meal a day mm-hmm. to save an extra 10 bucks. You, I mean, you can, you can do all of the, like the term, like min maxing want, you know, like, like a nerdy term. I love video games, but like you can spend as much time making the perfect decision in like every scenario. Right. It all depends on what matters to you. The hard part is knowing that like, that's not wrong. The way you're going about it's not wrong. The way I'm going about it isn't necessarily wrong. It's what you want. What do you want from life? Yeah. What, it's what you want from life. And how you do that is up to you. I think as long as you're not hurting other people, as long as you're not, you know, like negatively impacting other people, like, cool, go for it. Do whatever the fuck you want. Go sit in the woods for three months and walk with trees and hang out with mushrooms like i don't, I love nature but like i don't fucking care just don't don't like fuck with other people you know that's all i care about that's how we should all view that whatever you want to do however you define success that's the key if success for you is you are going to sacrifice five years of your life eating shit so that you can get where you want to be because that is mm-hmm. what is important to you that is how you're going to achieve happiness in life. Yeah. But if you try to go down that path and what's really important to you are the friendships that you cultivate, the lifestyle that you live, the partners that you have, mm-hmm. if you try to go down that nose to the grindstone route, you are going to be miserable. And for what? For what? You, you know, that is like, that's been a big part of growing up for me is not thinking that the way I'm doing it is perfectly correct. It's the, it's the black and white versus gray. Yeah, it's right for them. Like, that's if they're getting what they want, cool. It's not going to work the same way for me, necessarily. You know, like, I don't know, man. I don't know what I want. That's where I'm at. I think I, like, I know some things that I kind of don't want to do and some things that I, like, working towards i think that's just as important you can learn just as much from doing things and realizing 
I don't want to do this. Yes. This is not for me. 100%. As you can doing something that you like. Mm-hmm. I, the negative and the bad times teach you a lot. So it's like, man, I really don't like that. Like, I don't want to do that, you know? And then you learn from there. I don't know what the fuck I want. I like, I know I want to do something that makes me happy. I know, like, I don't know. I feel like every day I try and, you know, do what I think is like the right thing to be doing. But like that end question or like the end goal, like, I don't know what that is. I don't have a hard set one. I'm letting it like, um, I'm letting it, you know, like, I'll figure it out or I won't like, you know, like either I will or I won't. And I just hope that like the route to either is pretty cool. You know, you can fall into that trap because we have technology and we can see all these paths that Mm -hmm. we could take and what life might end up like. You get this paralysis by choice. The words out of my mouth. That's yeah. For me, because I'm in that same spot of I have no idea what I want (laughs) from life or what direction I want to go. And the biggest thing that I always fall back on is you just have to keep moving forward. Whatever forward ends up being for you, (laughs) you just have to keep moving forward. If you don't make a choice, that's when you fail, is you stay stagnant and life just passes you by. That was like you just described, like the kind of cyclical thought process I would get in. Where it's like, man, I it's like I should be doing this, we're doing that, like or it's like I'm presented with too many choices and then I'm sitting there analyzing like the benefits and pros and cons of all of this, like what's the right thing to do? And then like in the end, like doing literally nothing because I'm so worried about the ramifications of each decision. And it's like just like my parents were both are just like, you know, we've talked about this. Like I go over and hang out with them, you know, have like a fire on the weekend and we're sitting there. It's like, just fucking do something. Just do it. You know, like let go of that like anxiety of like trying to follow that perfect path. Cause as much as I can say it, like yeah, I give other people the grace when they make mistakes because I see them for like what they can be. I can't do that internally. And when someone does that for me, it feels like a concession. It feels like a, not like pity, but it feels like, no, it's okay. You don't have to do that. for me. Like I can't give myself that same grace that I can give someone else that makes a mistake. So I still follow that. Like, I just can't make any mistakes path. It doesn't work. It's hard not to be your own worst critic. I think for some people, yeah. For I think for you and I, definitely. Yeah. It's really hard. You look at that person in the mirror and you think, you should be so much more right now. You should be so farther ahead. You should be making these choices, mm-hmm. doing these things. And yet if your friend came to you and said, hey, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, you would say, hey, you've got time. Just make a choice and if that's not the right one who cares make another one you're not signing away your life with this choice you've got options you can do things the irony of that is like i have that conversation with a lot of the people i care about all the time you'll you'll be worried about something it's like you i like you are so good at what you do you will figure it out you've got to do this and then they'll turn around and like i'm having a hard time with something tries to do that same thing and it's just like 
I know what you're telling me. I don't want to hear it. I can't take it. Because I feel like I should be better. You know, it's it's just like the hard headedness in the face of like your own advice, I think is kind of a funny thing. But if you can at least recognize that, I think you're maybe getting somewhere there. I hope so. I can recognize it. It's hard (laughs) implementing that. I hope hope that's true. (laughs) And it's difficult. You see people. And I, I think this even ties back into high school. You see people who know what they want to do and are passionate about it and mm-hmm. they follow that plan to a T. Yeah. And if you're someone who doesn't fit that mold, it's almost discouraging in a sense. Why yeah. can't I figure out what I want? What yeah. what am I passionate about? You know, I like I knew pretty early on, relatively, like what I wanted to do. You know, like and we talked about like the working out, like I started working out and you know, that was cool. And then I knew science was always my shit. I was like, I want to know how stuff I, I binge watched how it was made as a kid, dude. Discovery Channel, like all that, like you can hear, I can hear that voice. I'm just like, I feel like I'm like six or seven. It's like when this machine does this, you know, like it, it, I love it. But it's like science and how stuff works. And I'm like, I took anatomy. It's like this is cool. Like, I know how this stuff works, man. So then I was like, medicine like in, in one way, shape or form was cool. And it was like EMT, firefighter, doctor. I was like, oh, PT, like this other profession could be cool. And I was lucky enough to sit down with one and talk for a couple hours. And I was like, yeah, this is what, this is what I want. So I figured that part out, like the career. And that hasn't changed. You know, working in a clinic I interned, you know, in 2018 and when I came back with the same PT like earlier last year and then got hired at the clinic like last October. I've been there with them since and it hasn't changed, you know, like it hasn't made me love it less. I'd love it more. But I still feel that like, what am I passionate about? I feel like people have these other hobbies, these other things that they're passionate about. And a lot of the time I feel like I'm just running through a routine. I wake up, I do this. Like, it's like you just said earlier. I wake up, I do this, I go to work. I mean, I don't go to the gym now. I, you know, I would, I'll work that back in there somewhere. But I do these things. And then I go to bed. And it's like, do I feel like I progress something that I love? Or that I'm like really interested in? I feel like since being a kid, I've lost that, like, not curiosity, because I still am curious. That ability to just like wonder, you know, or just like having that general wonder for everything. There's like some mysticism. There's like, what's college going to be like? What's the real world going to be like? You know, it's like you have this like beautiful image of it in your head. And then like you get there and it's like, I don't mean to sound super depressing. Like I realize that just sounds so terrible, right? It's like, oh, what's this? It's the point of all this, you know, but it's like, I feel like I don't have that thing apart from the career. I feel like there's something missing there. I don't know what that comes from. I don't know if it's, again, that comparison aspect of us looking at people who do mm-hmm. have something and thinking, I should, I should have something like that, something yeah. that drives me, or we, you just don't. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from, but it is a strong emotion and it's like that constant knocking in the back of your head. Mm-hmm. Am I am I doing what I'm I really care about is what like where yeah. where does that lead me? 
I feel like there's something else I'm not pursuing. It's like I know that like career-wise, I'm doing something that I do love. And I would not have spent this much time trying to figure this whole thing out and, you know, apply to the schools again after like literally getting nothing but denials like the first year and not even getting an interview. You know, that was like, that was demoralizing. Feeling like I love this thing so much and my GPA is not awesome. You know, like I didn't apply myself in school like I should have. And thinking that that at that age is like what's limiting me right now when I when I do give all of this effort to the actual career itself on a day-to-day basis you know it's like kind of hard to palette it's made it hard to like apply again but it's like I know I love this thing there's still that something it's missing I don't know what it is that idea of not applying yourself is a funny one right Mm -hmm. I slip into that a lot I don't think I've ever really applied myself to anything that's a big that's another big fear of mine is going through life without ever giving something your everything really really i don't know if it's falling in love with something or chasing a passion to to wherever it it leads but really giving your being to something in a weird way some for school that was some kids they gave everything in school i wasn't like that i i was cool just getting by i didn't really yeah I didn't really care. And then you look back and you think, damn, what if I applied myself more? That idea of just not applying yourself is a scary one. I conceded pretty early. I was like, I'm just going to go to CR, you know, and that's not to knock CR. Like CR has. It's a great school. We give it a lot of shit because we're locals and it's easy to shit on CR, but it's a great school. CR like has some incredible professors some insanely talented and like smart people that go off and do some incredible things and come back to the area and say like this is a community that needs someone with some outside perspective and i think that's a beautiful thing i just like accepted pretty early it's like i'm just gonna go there i'm not gonna try you know like going through cutting you know in ridgewood like and zane even like i never had to try i never did i just coasted i never like had to really give it effort and then that tapered in high school where it was like yeah I could get away with some things like when it came to science I was super interested didn't have to try and like still did pretty well it was something I didn't care for I didn't do well in it you know and I started college and my first semester I got smacked in the face for that I did not have a good GPA my I think I had like a 2.6 my semester in college because I just like fucked off I didn't care and I was like, oh, I can just do what I always do and just procrastinate and bullshit and do whatever. And I learned that's not the case, especially with like throwing work in the mix too and got better at it. But I don't know. Do you think it's, do you think we feel that way because we're looking at like, again, what we could have done? So we're, we're looking in retrospect or are we still comparing to someone that does have that attitude of like, you have to literally whole ass everything you do? I think it comes from the realization that we could be more. Mm -hmm. And I think the disconnect, at least for me, the disconnect is the passion element. Mm -hmm. Maybe we just weren't passionate about school. So that, and that also ties into the fear aspect is what if we don't find that thing that we are passionate about that 
gives us the ability to apply ourselves fully. Mm-hmm. I think some of that stems from discipline for school, probably hundred percent, right? Good, good grades is discipline. It, it's, they're not always, in, they're indicative of like hard work. You're not going to like every subject. Some of them you're just going to have to, especially in high school when you don't really get a pick, you're going to have to eat it. College too, if you've got undergrad stuff that you have to work through or major requirements. If I had my choice, I wouldn't be taking chemistry. I wouldn't be going to the Gen Chem series right now then, but got to do it. You got to do it. You know, And that's the discipline aspect is you have to do it and you have to pass. But doing it to pass and doing it because you love it are two radically different experiences. I think part of getting older is also realizing like there are going to be those things that you have to do that you don't necessarily enjoy doing and it can't just be doing all the things you to do all the time that was like a hard one for me if i wanted to do it like every tiny little detail was in my head when it came to science when it came to a topic i loved i loved doing man came to something i didn't care about i just couldn't bring myself to do it and i don't think it helped i see people talk a lot about this on like social media like going through a gate you remember that program like in elementary school like i'm i did it with all of these kids that are like i think that fucked me up a lot like i just got to be like doing stuff i was interested in and it was cool because it was just like you know it was for people that had i think it was they were selected based on like some level of pattern recognition was like what they looked for. And I took that with people like all Ibbins, dude, like all these kids that are geniuses and Berkeley and like all of this stuff. And then here the fuck I am like not trying and not doing anything. Like that's something that's definitely weighed on me for a long time. You know, I have a lot of gripes with gate. I was in gate too. Yeah. And I have a lot, I I have a lot of gripes with that because I, there's this idea that in the education system, you don't want kids moving too far ahead, just like you don't want kids moving too far behind. Yeah. You keep them all in the middle. And I think that system failed us. The yeah. ones that could have moved further, like, because we were in gate and then there was nothing after gate. There was no follow-up program. Yeah. It was, you could skip a grade, you could go down that route, but that doesn't, you're not getting this extra support then you're in like that situation where you have the knowledge but i don't think you have like also part of being in that grade a you get the camaraderie of like being your own age but also like you don't have the social skills to be there you don't like you're now like alienated because you're that young kid that's you're just not thrown fully developed into the grade, dude. you're not like, in that age bracket yeah that's also detrimental yeah and the idea of losing your peers, you go through school with these kids, you, you're experiencing life at this age with them, and then to lose that to go to a group that yeah. you have no interaction with. I feel bad. I don't really see, like, you know, I, I think it's one of the first things I commented on when I showed up, but I was like, you know, I tell patients uh, stories about cutting, you know, like, my favorite one is like the dodgeball. Like, remember when we just went ham? How great were those We days? went ham on dodgeball for so long that we got it taken away, because they're like, you guys are just beating the shit out of each other no one cried no one complained that's the crazy part everybody was cool with it we all just accepted if you get hit in the face you're gonna take a sec and eat it like a champ and you're gonna come back in yeah but they were just mad because we were showing up with like those rubber ball marks on our face they're like you guys are killing each other and we're like and we're having the most fun we've ever had 
I tell that story all the time, but like I don't see anybody cutting. I don't see anybody from like high school really, you know, apart from like a few people. And I think part of that is like my own kind of just like distance from people usually, you know, like I I think it's easier sometimes and like COVID too, I think it's like really kind of throwing a wrench in that. It's just I don't know, it's cool. Like I it's something that like I want to, to get back because I feel like I've really lost that feeling of camaraderie, that feeling of like community. Apart from like my coworkers, which I loved I love my job and I love the people I work with. So it's easy to want to hang out with them. But I want to get back and hang out with people that like I've known from before too, you know. That's how I felt about this podcast, man. I was excited to sit down and talk yeah. with you because we we haven't exactly been super close throughout that whole time, but we've always been in each other's vicinity. Like we've I always had mutual, like a lot of mutual. We've been friends and like I, had mutual. Friends, yeah, like know? I've grown up with you. Yeah, <laughs> over the years, and then to sit across from you is this, you know, fully fledged almost. We're not really. I don't consider myself an adult, but I don't think I'll. Will I ever consider myself yeah, an but adult? Right, this like, kid who isn't that kid anymore, mm-hmm. but is still kind of the same kid you know catching up like it's so funny to me that the first time we're catching up since high school is like on a podcast, on a podcast. I, I love it and i've never been on a podcast before. I, I was not gonna lie like you messaged me and i was like oh, shit like it's cool i was like yeah i want to do it but then I was, i've been like tripping out like i have to say on a podcast like what are we the nerves kick in what, what are we doing man like i don't i don't know it's way more chill than that you know? yeah like, it's cool it's but. It's threatening when you get that message of, hey, do you want to do this? Yeah. And then you show up here and you see the bar and you see the wood table and you're like, oh, this is not this is cool. high stakes at all. Yeah. I think about that a lot. I do. The kids that we grew up with, you almost feel that bond with, especially yeah. the kids from Cutton and Ridgewood. You're like, yeah, man. you guys. Those are, those are definitely like, I, I think very fondly like on that time, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of like. Just being a kid. Just no inhibition. being a kid. No inhibition. Just like, just hanging out. Just like having fun. Like just doing stupid stuff. But like, just like together, you know? It kind of lose that over time. You do. I don't know if that's just an aspect of fitting into the idea of what it means to be an adult. That that play-like aspect just gets kind of shaved away. There's all these added layers. Well, you have responsibilities now. You have a job you have student loans you have school you have these things and it just you kind of lose touch with that kid-like aspect of mm. i just want to hang out we're just gonna hang out and talk and yeah. bs and play video games do do these things you know just you like, get those little inklings like do you play you said you play video games yeah yeah i, I mean not not as often as i obviously not as often as i used to I've been playing more recently. Just I think it's been a good like decompression, kind of yeah, decompression and outlet to just like I'm having a hard time focusing. Now that's been like a been a big thing is like if the motivation isn't there, like it's like it's hard to build that like inertia into doing a task sometimes, and so I think it can be a good way to like still do something and still think about something, but like. Not necessarily super productive, but but it is in a way, right? Those I, are almost those connections back to being like a yeah. kid. You get to just play video games with your friends, and and the, the the worst part about that is like I don't even like play with anybody. You know, I haven't like I don't play a lot of the multiplayer games. Like a lot of the people I hang out with now are like I mean, 
really hang out with a lot of people anymore, you know, but like I just play like a single player game. I just throw something on because I can just like focus on that and like not worry about it. But kind of tune out the rest of the world. A little bit, yeah. But I've you know, as I've as COVID, like I mean, when was it ever really like a, a big deal in our area? You know, we're in such a small pocket of the country, it's like it kind of fizzled out real quick, like the collective like acknowledgement of it and it was just like fuck it you know whatever so it's been relatively normal here for a while I think. but i think the like you can still see the lasting effects and like your interpersonal relationships with people at yeah. least i i feel that like every all the time yeah yeah i agree i think it's that aspect is still there and it's i, I don't know how long it'll be there i think i'm like no, I'm I'm super happy to be doing this and like kind of like getting to like see you again and like you know, like kind of reconnect with people that like I, I grew up with. And, you know, like Haley and I were out the other weekend. Um we had a friend come into town, so I like kind of like I drove her, hung out with her all night and ran into like an old coworker of mine. Like I saw him at like you know, we went to Lost Coast and I saw him there and then off and like i saw him at the bar later and talked and he's now hanging out with like other people that i went to elementary school with and he's like asking me if i know them i was like yeah dude i know those people and he's like oh come kick it like we can all hang out and it's like i don't know there was just that apprehension yeah i want to and then i'm just like i don't know why i'm nervous to like restart that and it's hard to describe why man it's it's weird it's a relatable feeling though yeah that concept i almost feel like i have to like i haven't done enough to like bring to the table now yeah you're still in this place and you think these people might be farther they've done these other things i should Mm -hmm. i should have done more i need to balance the weight of their achievement and it's like that's not the point it's not a it never is it shouldn't be it's just hard to get out of that line of thought you know it's especially seeing old friends like that yeah it's hard. People that like I was like actually really good friends with and hung out all the time. But now is like trying to restart that. I just, I I almost feel that like guilt. I feel that way with a lot of people that you know we went to school with. It's like I've had these periods where like different people were like very close friends of mine, and then we're no longer, and that's not a bad thing. It happens. You you know you grow apart but I feel like other people have maintained those friendships better or like, you know, probably still all hang out and still see each other. And like, that may not be the case. I just feel that way because like, I feel bad that they're gone, you know? It's, I don't know. No, I get it. I think, well, it's, it, you have those friendships and they're everything at that time. Uh-huh. And then suddenly you wake up one day and you have a different set of friends. And you look around and think, where? what happened to everybody else? Yeah. And especially once you graduate high school and everyone starts doing their own things, it's hard maintaining those things. You just have to, like, change, I think, change the outlook on it. It's, like, appreciate these little moments when this comes up. And, you know. And take advantage capitalizing of Capitalizing on the opportunity. Like, I I sat for, like, a little bit when you, when you sent me that. Because I was, like, duh, I want to do it. But I'm like, am I going to be too nervous and like say no? And like, I would have, I would have been kicking myself because I wouldn't have got to do this, you know, like, I don't know. It, 
it's just like being open to that opportunity when it shows up. Good text that guy. I this is go do it, you know? that's like, one of my favorite aspects of doing this is just now I have the excuse of hey Tyler, do you want to come? Yeah, it's it's easier to say hey, do you want to come do a podcast than to just reach out and say hey, I I know we haven't talked in a few years but do you want to just hang out do you want to go grab like, a beer yeah. yeah which is basically what we're doing we would be doing this yeah. if we were at a bar drinking a beer we would just be talking like this god damn it nick i gotta start my own podcast so i have a you I, should I do it man. Reason, i had rain on like... do you remember rain glasper yeah had her on yesterday I, just I, because i i, I wanted Spanish to reach out to these guys yeah i wanted to talk to you i wanted to hang out with you i wanted to hang out with rain yeah and i've got the excuse and i think it's a blessing in that way is mm-hmm. you have the excuse. Yeah. I don't have to say, hey, I haven't talked to you. Do you want to hang out? Do you want to go grab a cup of coffee? Do you want to? It, it's awkward that way. It's weird because like, obviously, like agreeing to be on the podcast is like almost more of a time commitment than any of those other things could be. But it almost feels like kind of less personal. And not in a bad way. Like, you know, it's like... Because you have something to do. You're yes. going... You have a set plan of, oh, we're doing a podcast. It's, it's not grabbing a cup of coffee and what are we going to talk about? What are we going to do? In the abstract, it's the same thing, right? It's exactly like, the it's same exactly thing. It's exactly the same thing. But it doesn't feel that way in a good way, I think. Like, it's a little easy. Like you said, it's so much easier to just be like, bam, here's this thing I'm doing. Like, do you want to come do it with me? Like, I don't know. It's cool. It, it really is cool. Like, I've... I've always liked this format for media. and You should start a podcast, man. It's really not as hard. I know it looks yeah. kind I mean, of techy. Fucking set up yeah, it now, looks like... more techy now than it was <laughs> at one point. But it's not It's not hard. And it's a great excuse. Yeah, it, I, yeah. You have people that say no, but you also get to reconnect like this. And you get to yeah. talk. And... That's, no, that's honestly something I've been thinking about all week. It's just like agreeing to do that. I think it could be a good segue into like, you know, also just being like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to text that person and see what you're doing. I am going to try and do this. Like as much as I like letting the weekends be just something where I don't really do anything. Cause I'm, you know, by the time I get there, I'm usually just kind of like, I feel like I need to spend the days to prepare to like do the whole, to do the damn thing again for another five days, four or five days, no matter how long your work week is. Right. Like, I don't know. I I, th- I think sometimes I forget how easy or like how much I do get out of stuff like this. It's, it's a as, different kind of recharge. Not everybody, not every person I interact with is one that like I have to spend a lot of energy. I was just thinking that as you said that. Yeah, I don't have to spend like being an introvert it's easy to group everyone together and be like man being around people is hard it's like no being around certain people is hard some people are draining and it's not a bad thing it's not you shouldn't hang out with them it's fault them for it you just have to be specific it's not the type of person you want to hang out with forever for an extended period of time you know could yeah and there's some people like you know you see them and it's like you know like i'll see the name on the schedule yes like i get to see you again you know and it like you feel that like i just feel good after that interaction you know it's like i go off ready to do something else not i think just being an introvert is like and just have to be more selective about like what i do and who i'm around you don't always have to put on this like kind of like mask or like feel like you have to 
around everybody. But it's a selective thing. And again, not that it's a bad thing. I have a lot of I don't I shouldn't say I have a lot of friends that are, but I have friends that you're cool to hang out with for a few hours, but you can't do all day. You can just mm-hmm. just being in their presence is draining in a way, but it's not a bad thing. You still No, you can still love them and still yeah, appreciate them. It's like them a battery. Some people yeah. you're pushing more energy and some people are pushing more energy into you it's just a give and take (laughs) some people like uh i mean some of my closest friends like their comfort zone is like way larger than mine it's like so i get put in a lot of situations where it's like i don't know if i'm comfortable doing that you know and like that can sometimes can be a lot but it's like it's also in those moments where i've just been like fuck it if I sit too long and think about anything like that, I won't do it. I will think my way out of doing it. I have to, I really just have to be like, yeah, I'm like, I, I will make impulsive decisions like that because I know it will, I will like circumvent my own thought process. I'll just be like, yes, I'll do it and just roll with it. It's easy to think yourself into that. K hole of just not. K hole. That's such a good. That's such a good. You just overthink it and then talk yourself out. Yeah. Where if you just took your initial response of "Oh, that sounds interesting" and mm-hmm. jumped on that. Yeah. Who knows what might happen? I'm worrying about shit so much. It's not productive, but it keeps you alive a little longer in some situations. But it's again, it's like no, but for what? It's That's not, the biggest thing is, would you rather live to be 100 and hate hmm. 80 of those years or live to be 40 and love every second? Being around people in like wildly different physical states. Like sometimes we'll have people that come in the clinic. Like the oldest person I've talked to working in this job was 96. They were born in 19, have been 1920 something. That's so crazy. I think it was like 1925 different world and like i called the person like i was i was gonna schedule them and i called and i was like holy shit i like i realized that as i was calling and then like the person that answered the phone was like well hello and i was like whoa that's not what i expected you to sound like you know like i see a lot of people that are in their like you know like 50s to 60s that are like less there than that so you see these people that it's like i want to live to be that age if i'm like you like that person i called sharp as a fucking whip like the funniest person in the room you couldn't slip up with your words in front of that person they'd call you on it right it's like i only want to make it to that point if i'm like there you know but that's also an easy thing to say when i feel like i'm there you know like at a young age who knows but i want to i'd rather have like a shorter time that is more fulfilling good than just being there to be there you know i joke about that with my parents all the time well it's not even joking (laughs) i'm serious they think i'm joking yes i say all the time if (laughs) i am ever hooked up to a machine on life support for an extended period of time pull the plug on me take me out back we so like full disclosure we had a person the other day a sweet sweet person like i love talking to them they're a funny patient but they said like kind of this same thing they were like you know like it's kind of fucked up but like we put dogs down like 
I think we should do the same for older people. And I'm like, I can't laugh at that. Like, what? What? But in the back of my head, I'm like, I have specifically told my friends, like, if I can't walk, if I can't do anything, like, if I'm miserable, but just here, don't let me be here, please. You know, like. And kudos to the people that do make that. Uh, even yeah. even being a quadriplegic, I, I don't think I could do that. No, and like, that's what I say. It's like, I don't mean that to like. Detract, it's not offensive. Yeah, detract yeah. from like the from anyone that does that. It's like I know for myself I would be too I like I couldn't do it. And that's I think a sign of my own weakness in that regard or just like my own desires in that regard. It's crazy. My grandpa did that shit. He like within a week was uh, in a position where he went from walking to being fully paralyzed and on a ventilator and then was just like I don't want to do this shit. You know, like seeing that growing up was like, yeah, that he's like, I'm not doing this if it means I'm in this bed the rest of my life. Just like that, like I'm taking ownership of that. It's like, no, fuck that. I am goodbye. You know, like time, it's not easy to palate, but it, I respect the hell out of it. You know, I think everyone should have that own like ownership. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, for me, it comes from that place of not wanting to be a burden that I would rather. That's exactly why I feel that way. And I don't want someone to have to take care of me. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a fault because yeah. your family would say, no, it'd be fine. We just want to have you, you around. You would do the same. You would do that and more for someone. A thousand percent. If my mom or my dad or my sister, something like that happened, I would be there mm-hmm. all the time, 24 seven, but I would not want them to do that nope. to me. Uh, I feel Hold the, the plug. Way. I'm like, just. Wheel me in front of a bus. I don't know. Take a pick. I don't, I'll be a speed bump. Um, I don't know which comic said it, but they were like, "Just fucking throw me in a dumpster. I don't care. I'm." I think it was George Carlin. He's like, "I'm dead. What? What the fuck do I care? Just toss me, man." It seems like that all comes from just this weird relationship we have with death. Now, Americans are definitely that way. Other cultures are not. Because realistically, with suicide, if someone has cancer and it's stage three or stage four and there's no upside, it is only going to get worse for them and they want to go out with a certain quality of life, why would we not want that for them? I'm a big advocate for that because it's in the same way that I'm like, people will do what they want. As long as you're not hurting someone, do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. If you have anything, it's that. I think it should be that. The ownership of your own, like, existence. It's your life. I Yeah, it's your life. And no one else has a say in what you do with it, I think. You know, I, I'm not going to get into the whole discussion of, like, you know, being told what to do in certain scenarios. Like, it's irregardless of that, like... I think someone in that position should decide, you know what? I don't want this. I saw, uh, you're pulling that up. This, this actually was the source of like a very long discussion between my father and I about, about, I don't know what, I don't know what, what are you pulling up here? So it's a suicide pod. So they fill it with nitrogen gas. And so comparative to like, uh, CO2, CO2 being like, overexposed to co2 
is actually one of the worst ways to go out because it stimulates like a pure panic response, like dread. Nitrogen, on the other hand, laughing gas. So I think it's nitric nitrous oxide is what I believe what they use in the dentist's office. And that's what you inhale on, you know, kind of gives you that euphoria. So filling the pod with that, um, you just kind of get into this relaxed state and then you die from suffocation, obviously, but it's in a, a humane way. And yeah, so they're getting you high before you die. That's fantastic. Yes. Who right. would not? You're going out happy. You know, he, and my dad's a very practical guy. Like him and I are a wonderful example of people that like, I fully understand why he thinks the way he does about things. There's a lot of things that we really don't agree on and that's fine. You know, him and I will just sit and just like talk about it. We'll be drinking. Like when I live there, we'd be just drinking and just like going at, not even going at it, but just like talking about it forever. And my mom's saying like, I can't do this. Like walks out. I'm she the thinks exact same way she with my parents. She thinks we're arguing, right? Yeah. And it's like, we, I just want to understand the reasoning why he thinks that. And he'll do the same for me. And this is something that we disagreed on because he brought up some good edge cases of like someone that's not necessarily in their right mind deciding it or like a kid deciding it. It's like, yeah, that's a hard, that's a hard one. That's a, that's a real gray area. But, you know, like obviously you can think of like the dramatic teenager that's like, oh, or not even dramatic, but like the teenager that's like, oh, what's this all for? Like, you know, all the frustration and not having the perspective to you know, decide or like really know what else there is. And I get that, that, that is like a valid concern. I still default back to the, like, that's harsh. Like, that's your life. And there's a part of me that likes to think that there's something more out there. You know, I don't want to think it's just like, you have nothing. Like, obviously I want to think that you're like reincarnated as something or, you know, but there's no way to know, right? You think you can know, you can know, whatever. And I'm not going to get into that whole thing. Not going to, not going to step on any uh, toes here, but you know, I like, I like to think there's something else and it's your choice. It should be. It, yeah. It's as distasteful and bitter that can be in the mouth. Like, yeah, it can be fucked up. That's what a lot of this can be. But that is yours to decide. No one else's. That's yours. A good edge case would be someone who has dementia or yeah. early onset dementia. And they go in and out of that choice, right? Because then what do you do? Yeah. Do you, do you allow them to do that when they have decided, you know, when they've decided that like in a lucid moment, that's what they want? and then and, they revert and, back and yeah right so i don't want to die that's that's gray. that would be a tough one that's gray yeah it's very hard to decide dementia freaks me out that it's, would be another one where i say just pull the plug that's probably my biggest fear it's a tragic thing you lose your life i mean all we really have are our, our memories the knowledge that we've acquired throughout our life mm-hmm. especially imagine having kids and them growing up and having grandkids and looking at them and not recognizing who they are. It's an awful thing because you truly do lose that person before they're gone. And that is something that like, I can't imagine. I can't like 
imagine what that feels like and what that looks like you know that's terrifying to me that the cognitive like obviously i get annoyed if i can't move the way i want to and if my body physically i would rather lose the physical first the cognitive loss is what really terrifies me for sure and good like we had a patient that um you know we were i can't remember what we were treating i think it was like balance or something they were starting to have that onset of um memory loss and got to watch it progress as it went on right as we you know we kept treating them and i love this person to death such a wonderful person to work with one sentence they said really stuck with me and it kind of like haunts me and i still think about it to this day they were talking to my boss and they go you know i can still remember how to get home that's a good thing right can't remember a lot i remember how to get home i remember how to get here i don't remember a lot of people i, I kind of know how to get around and that was it it was just like Oh, I like, you know, obviously you like finished the appointment. I had to take a second. Oh, damn, that. Like. Trying to have us reassure them that like, yeah, no, at least you remember that. But just being able to see that marked loss in that person change, even over the course of us seeing them, was like. Probably the closest real life example I've had of that kind of problem. It's crazy. My grandfather had dementia mm -hmm. and it's it's just a different it's a different beast you mm -hmm. watch him and the grandkids we were kind of the first ones that he forgot obviously because we were the closest to that yeah further enough out like and it is it's almost like you're looking at a ghost because you see the person and you still have those memories and you're still attached to them and you you have a lifetime of experience with them and they're looking back at you like you're a stranger and i think that's why they get that suicide yeah. aspect is hard in that case is you're not really around at that point for you anymore you're around for your family they're keeping you around for their reasoning like they they still want you there they still want to see you yeah you don't you I think you're that, gone. I think that perception of it is definitely related to how you and I like look at this issue, right? In terms of that extreme like ownership of your of your situation. But that sparks like another question, like another gray area of like morally, is it right to do that? And like are you truly keeping them for you? Or are you keeping them alive because again like we were just talking about with the pod like can they truly decide if that's what they want when they kind of go in and out of that cognition that ability to remember like are you doing it in hopes that that's better than the alternative for them or are you doing it for yourself and i'm sure there's situations where yeah they're definitely keeping them alive because you can't handle letting them go but I think when it comes to like a dementia type thing, like versus like, I don't know, like pulling the plug on a loved one. I think that situation is a little more obvious, especially if they're completely unresponsive, like 
oh yeah they're brain dead yeah you know you're and, holding out for some hope maybe yeah but that is like kind of you to a degree like at, at a certain point and that it, becomes more for you it helps i don't want to i shouldn't say it like that but that's what i'm gonna say it <laughs> helps that they're not responsive that you can't interact In with them no i get that and the, it's there's a lot of things where it's like it feels awful to say, it's a like, gray area but that is like part of the situation right yeah like the hard part is like someone that doesn't isn't able to control that like the thought process behind it like where one day maybe they you think they would want that and one day they don't but you don't know where they're at mentally there's no baseline there yeah it's hard the thing about like those prices that like he pulled up um you know, what does this say? Depending on the state and specific facility, the daily cost associated with memory care ran between $83 and $403 per day, yeah. with the national median cost being closer to $181 per day. That's the, a lot yeah. of money. And the unfortunate thing is like, you know, working in healthcare and like having to spend a lot of my time contacting insurance companies and talking about like what benefits like a specific patient would have if they come see us like through their insurance. like. I don't think very highly of them. Like, obviously, there's obviously you need the health insurance. Like, I'm not going to get into the much wider conversation of how I feel about our our insurance like situation in this country because it's not a positive outlook. Uh, I I don't have one, but (laughs) I would be alarmed if you did have one. I would say, yeah, we gotta we gotta talk. Yeah, I. It's a it's a fucking it's a stupid system it it really it really is um you know like you're you're paying that price and you know in a lot of situations it's not quite the fault of the workers of those facilities but i i would wager it's probably analogous to like a care home and care home conditions are you know regularly like very bad and i say it's not always like the staff's direct fault because I mean, you see it a lot here in healthcare, but like they're completely understaffed and unable to provide the care that these people really need. Obviously, you have your cases where it's just like apathy and it's like just a job, and I'm not going to do what I need to do to help, you know, Miss Johnson out. Like, yeah, they have those cases where you just wheel them in front of a yeah, door and you leave them there for six don't hours. Care. But like, you know, that's also an also like a response of people that are extremely overworked and people that don't have the supplies they need to adequately take care of people especially when you're trusting them to like take care of your loved one like 24 7 you see a lot of patients we have a lot of patients right now that are like taking care of another loved one at home you know like their their partner is in very bad health and they have to cancel a lot of their own appointments because they have to spend the time to take care of another person and that's hard to watch like you're watching these people make decisions like they can't get the care that they desperately need because they have to spend the time to do it for someone else because they don't want them to end up in that situation well hard that's a good representation of again going back to the counter argument is if assisted suicide were legal how many people would be forced into choosing that because they can't afford the monthly expenses of keeping their loved one alive yeah like how do you avoid not only like the coercion aspect of it like convincing someone that would that, be so fucked that. up no and it is but like or it not, would be a reality not, i'm not talking about something that hasn't like occurred yeah right but like having to make that decision 
I mean, hundred eighty bucks a reason, day. For that reason too, for money, a for lot, not a lot of these, a lot of these people are living on fixed incomes too. Once you get into that like Medicare bracket and you retired, like depending on your circumstances, as you you know, as you got towards the end of your career and how much you were able to save, like the decisions you made, it's hard. It like we had someone cancel an appointment the other day because they're on a fixed income, and obviously, you know, if like myself and like the pt had been there like you know like had been privy to that conversation before we found out like they had canceled like could have tried to figure out a way to navigate that because we don't want that to be something that limits someone obviously like as a private clinic like you know payments insurance companies like are not great and you know they're they are actively lobbying to pay less and less and part of that is because certain administrations eat into the medicare budget and don't pay anything back into it that's why Medicare's deductible rises every year, and that's why the coverage rates get lower. But you know, whatever. Um, like you, you obviously can't do everything pro bono because you you have to like you'd be out your, of business. You have to keep your doors open, and if your doors aren't open, like you're not helping anybody, right? Which, but it feels weird, like charging that kind of thing. You know, like it's it's fucked up. Like if you think about it in the abstract, like you're having to pay to do that. But obviously, like the people need to be paid. Like we need to be able to have a career to sustainably keep doing this kind of thing. But it's like to have to make that decision of like, no, I will live with this pain because I can't afford to do anything about it is is awful to me. My biggest thing is that if we have the technology and the capability to heal someone or help them or fix them or keep them alive and the barrier to them receiving that care is money, that's a joke. Yeah. All of the things that we spend money on, all of the taxes that we pay, all of the stupid shit that just, the money that just gets pissed away and we can't, you know, everyone hears universal healthcare and start, you start going socialist and it's, it, it it's a wormhole, right? Yeah. But That's the sad. police, the fire department, you don't have to pay, you know, you're not paying some private company to come out and put the fire out of your house. But you're paying for their funding. At least you hope that's what it's going to. But yeah. So why can't we do that with? Because nothing pays better. Health. Nothing pays better than. Oh, absolutely not. Military big pharma, industrial big, complex. Well, big pharma itself is huge. Dude, so, okay. So if you want to go down a rabbit hole, that's like, oh, here we go. If you want to go down a rabbit hole that's like really going to piss you off about healthcare. Um, I don't know if you're on like TikTok at all, right? So, I'm not. Okay. Andy's been telling me I need to go on it. It's my fucked up like rabbit hole that I can go down to. That's part of the reason why I found out like and ended up getting diagnosed with ADHD because of how easy that like rapid like transition between new material is for me. Like how satisfying that is. Look up a pharmacy benef benefits manager. Is this a TikTok page? No. So I, the reason that I like learned more about this. Yeah. So they respond. They are responsible for processing and paying drug claims. So they're on the side of the insurance company, right? Like an insurance company will hire one of these people to do this. This person, in part, gets to decide how much the medication you pay for costs. So Medicare. So like your Social Security, right? So whenever you're over sixty-five, like you you are eligible for Medicare. That this is like another good analog that you're pulling up, not an analog for that necessarily. I think what Mark Cuban is doing here is wonderful in terms of getting these generic forms of these drugs to people for cheap. Oh my God, look at that. L-matinib, he's selling it for $14.40 in the real 
Retail price is $2,502. A real life example of this. I went to pick up a prescription yesterday. The cost is $225 a bottle. And this is for the generic version of a drug. If I were to get what was initially prescribed and denied by my insurance, $465 a bottle. I ended up paying 50 because of a code the pharmacist input. Fucked up thing. And we'll brought this up. So the the anal- the like the relation to TikTok was there's a guy, his account name is like Dr. Glockenflecken. But what he did, he's um I think he I don't remember what specialty he is. Um but he he it's like G L A U. Yeah, it's like whatever you pull. Glockenflecken? Yeah. yeah, so what he does is I don't remember what specialty he's in. He is actually a doctor. But what he does is he pokes fun at the medical industry and he pokes fun of different professions. He makes fun of like orthopedic surgeons, neurosurgeons. Like he he makes fun of like all of the stereotypes of like about these people that come up. He also heavily makes fun of insurance companies for this reason. So Medicare was purchased or and is now being run by United Healthcare. So a lot of these Medicare patients now that had lower copays and like lower coinsurance percentages are paying more now. United Healthcare has their own pharmacy benefits manager. So again, someone that like gets to work on the pricing of these drugs. Medicare patients, the United Healthcare patients now, get prescribed through a company called Optum Pharmacy that's owned by United Healthcare. United Healthcare nets over two hundred billion dollars a year. And they're providing a service for people that are on a fixed income. Like the $200 billion a year profit on something that is literally paying for the medical expenses. And paying is a loose term because they do not want to do that. One of the other things that he showed me was um, uh, you might have like, depending on how much like medical care you've had, like heard of prior authorization. So like your income, your insurance company, before they will agree to cover a procedure, has to review it. And your doctor will usually end up having to send like more documentation to support like the need for that. Apart from the fact that they're a fucking doctor saying this person needs this, right? They'll ha- The insurance company will have their own doctor or own professional in that field that says like, no, nah, I don't think you do. Fuck off. We're not paying for that. That whole thing aside. Um, <laughs> one, I think it might have been United Healthcare was uh, they implemented prior authorization for cataract surgery. So literally people that are having like a very hard time seeing. They implemented prior auth because they realized they were paying for too many of those surgeries in a year. What prior auth allows them to do is push it off a couple months while they say they're reviewing the, the need for that service. They're able to pay so much less a year because they're just pushing the surgery off for people for months at a time so they don't have to pay for it that year. So the the quarterly numbers are better. <laughs> that whole field. They're, they're not your friend, dude. That like, whole system is just so broken. They are not your friend at all. Like. Oh, I turned off the speaker. That might help. I mean, it's it's a joke. Mm-hmm.
that's not good. I mean, what? Do, but what do you do though? The industry is so big, and it's come so far, and it's got so much power. How do you put that genie okay. back in the bottle? So this, like, it a lot of it relates to, um, took, you know, like we talked about earlier about how like CR has some like incredible people working there. One of those people that like just like radically changed my outlook. Uh, my poli sci professor Ryan Emmenaker. This dude got his bachelor's from HSU, transferred out, went to Brown University. So he got his master's in political science. He won an award for outstanding student thesis. Like his work was the most known of his group. He came back here to teach. He came back to Eureka to teach. So he teaches at HSU and CR. At least I don't know if he still does. He used to. Like I don't I don't know where he's at anymore. But he would take like a break every year and go on sabbatical and campaign for like the Democratic Party and then come back to be a professor. One thing that he heavily talked about was um, America's like lax campaign donation laws and lobbying. So there's people that, you know, under the guise of whatever company can just donate money. Be like, hey, don't vote for this. I'm going to give you a check and you're going to be real happy with that money, right? And you're not, you're going to vote favorably for what we want. That's a lot. And the reason that we allow, I'm like, it's not the reason we allow it, but because we allow that to happen so frequently, this is like kind of, this is an example, like so many things are a byproduct of that. This is definitely one of them. And it's the fact that these people with a vested interest in like what they're doing, their private business, thank you. Like the fact that they can do something that is in the interest of them making money, but pay for people to continue to let that keep happening legally is a really fucked up gray area. And I don't think it should be a gray area. I it should be. It shouldn't be, right? Well, I mean, it affects all of us. Yeah. Everybody. But, but not them. Goes to laws. Well, yeah. Not the person making that decision. The person well, making that about, decision is living in such a beautiful home right now. Yeah, we're talking about hundreds of billions of they dollars. Don't care. That's the sad thing. Is like this person, and I'm not gonna like take like the super moral high ground here. Like, there's a lot of things where if someone was like, "Here's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, do what I want," most people that would solve so many problems. For like ninety percent, like ninety five percent, ninety nine percent of people, right? If you just put two hundred and fifty thousand in front of them, make this one decision. It doesn't seem so bad, right? Like, I can do a lot of good with two hundred fifty k. I can take care of my family. I can do all of that. I'm not justifying what they're doing, but when you're presented with like that kind of opportunity, most people will just go with it, you know. But this is this is a sad like kind of outcome of that, the ability to influence policy with the money that you're making, regardless of the morality there, isn't a good thing. It can go both ways. But it often doesn't, unfortunately. Yeah, money and business, or not money and business, money and morality are in a weird dance all the time. Yeah. As the money gets higher, your morals start to drop. Like uh, like leadership positions too, right? Like the people that 
I've done, you know, like I was in a fraternity when I went to SF State and like the people that really, really, really wanted to be in positions of power scared me. I hated being in leadership. It naturally, I ended up in leadership in like my first job, that fraternity, like it just kind of happened, but I didn't want to do it. It was people going like, hey, you know, we, we want you to do this thing, you know, like the people that really, really just wanted it without other people supporting them like that scared me it's like i can make those decisions it's like i didn't think of it that way i was scared to make like the decision people trusted me more than i trusted myself to make them. you know i'm i'm nervous around someone that's like i want all the power to do that that basically sums up 90 percent of the politicians we currently have i don't know I, uh, uh. it's a weird field the ones that want the power are the ones that shouldn't have the power and the ones that should don't want to don't want to do the job in a lot of ways yeah unfortunately but which sucks for all of us right little peons like, yeah it'd be nice if we actually had somebody up there looking out for everybody but it's it's a balancing act and then you hear and and i haven't done any research on this so i can't really validate it but you hear that you know the universal healthcare setup that's in canada isn't great and so what's the yeah. trade-off there do you want great health care or do you want accessible health care and does it have to be a trade-off can you have both i think it's also hard like taking an info about that from people that don't live there because you you get a lot of that outside you got a lot of that outsider perspective of people here that are like oh well I, you know you imagine the lines when everyone can get care it's like dog i went to the like both of the times that i've gone to the er here i haven't gotten out in less than six or seven hours i broke my wrist thanks to dustin punch no it wasn't it wasn't dustin's fault dude but it was my own fault and being so uncoordinated but he juked me out of my damn shoes and captured the fly. Oh, Dude, damn. he juked me out of my fucking shoes and i fell through my hand behind me and broke my wrist right the whole thing but i like i went to the er i was like i texted my mom oh i didn't text my mom i had my friend text my mom because i couldn't hold my phone and i was like my arm hurts really bad and i can't move my hand and she's like well how are you texting me and my friend replied this is like i think it was zedekiah he was like this is kaya tyler can't hold the phone and my mom was like fuck okay he's he's hurt right so that whole thing like I got there at like six o'clock. I think I got home at like almost two in the morning. I sat there for like four and a half hours before anyone came out and did anything. And then beginning of last year, so embarrassing. I was doing an at-home workout. I was like in my room. I had like kettlebells, like doing kettlebell swings. A little too tired, like tensed. As I like swung the kettlebell, like I lost my ab control and was just like, Ugh! and I like, I dropped. I was like laying on the ground, couldn't move, like, I thought I gave myself a hernia. It took seven hours in the ER for them to be like, no, you don't have a hernia. You probably just pulled. I literally pulled like every muscle from like my armpit down on like one side. I, I was like hunched over. It was so it was so embarrassing just like how it happened. I was there for like seven or eight hours and the bill was huge. It's like we have those fucking problems here and we pay more for it. You know, like, like you can pay for someone to spit on your forehead or pay for someone to wait a little while and actually take care of you you know like you get like a lot of people here get conditioned to just like 
yeah, shit sucks, deal with it, and not being like, well, we can make this a little better. Don't you think? You would think. I think people get jaded. Oh, I've, I've been to the emergency room in my life dozens of times. Yeah, I, dozens of I think times. I'm like, I, I think I'm at like who? I should have a stamp Three. card. I, I I've earned a free visit. The <laughs> amount of money dad. that they've gotten from me. No, 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 no free visits. You're but about that, you're, you're right. Every time that I've gone, the emergency room. Uh, what is the other one? Urgent call. Urgent, urgent care? care. Urgent call. Urgent care. I've gone to the emergency rooms down in Sacramento. Urgent care. It's all the same story. I've done you, urgent care like a handful of times, but not like you wait the ER. hours. Yeah. You wait hours. And then you get in, and then you wait some more, and then you see a couple of people, and then you wait some more. It's not a fast system. It never is. But it's like, I know a lot of people that have this attitude of like, well, it's not going to fully fix the problem. Well, we sure as shit can make a step forward towards that. Like, yeah, it's not going to solve everything, and you can pull out all these edge cases you want against it. But wouldn't you want to try for something that might be marginally better for most people than it is right now? I think people just lose the will for change when it seems insurmountable. When something's always been done this way Mm -hmm. and people have tried to change it and it doesn't change, they get burnt out. And they say, this is just the way that it is. This is the way that it's been. This is the way that it's always going to be. You're not going to change it. You should just accept it. And that's where progress dies. Is oh, when everybody 100%. accepts that and nobody fights anymore. Nobody tries to make a change. Yeah. And I mean, again, like we go back to like picking your battles on things, but that's a pretty good battle to pick. I think so. Yeah. And but I understand how people like over time kind of lose that. You know, you have things closer to home that you care about and need to take care of. And in the scheme of things like you know i don't want to contribute more to that because i feel like i need to take care of people here but like and obviously i feel that i feel this way now of like i don't care if i pay more my taxes as long as it means someone else is like if someone else is actually benefiting from this and i'm not just pissing money down a hole in the the name of like doing something better and it's not actually doing anything like if it's actually helping people fuck it tax me more like i don't care as long as i'm as long as like that comes back and it's like the quality of life is better for everyone around me people forget that like taking care of the people around you and that being better for them is also better for you it doesn't have to be so like individualistic it's very easy to be that way but like a lot of other cultures are way more community oriented and like the norm is caring for other people. That's something that trips me out. I think the easiest answer would be universal healthcare, but people have to buy in with work. And so mm-hmm. if yeah. you choose to not eat very healthy and you choose not to exercise and you choose these poor consequences, mm-hmm. maybe you do have to pay a premium. Maybe you have to yeah. put a little skin in the game. But if you're healthy if you're active if you're trying to and i'm not talking about you don't have to have a six-pack you don't have to be shredded you don't have to be on gear but maybe you go for a walk every other night or you take these steps to try to be healthy and something happens that sucks and you need some health care we're going china now okay yeah uh (laughs) what made you just pull up the credit score 
Well, you you were talking about uh uh you know. You're right. I'm full of shit because that is exactly oh, where it could this, go. Is that so? Is this where I like? How oh, God, I'd be scared to see what my my credit score, my social score would be. Like, there's plenty of people in. Thank God, like the one good thing about San Francisco, not the one good thing, but one good thing about having lived in San Francisco is like on the nights where I drank way too much, and I inevitably like fell out of an Uber downtown because I was like, I'm gonna destroy your car. Stop and pull over so I can get out. Right? Thank God it wasn't here, where it can be like my mom's friend is there like what and i'm just blacked out on the street like it's in a place where no one knows who you are so and really no one saw me so like my my social score wouldn't be that bad but like god it would have been so bad if it was here the credit score freaks me out and people think that that can't happen here that we are somehow above that that our politicians wouldn't sink to that level or we wouldn't embrace that wholeheartedly. I think there's a benefit to having understanding that like there is the potential for a lot of that to happen, but also trying to not assume the absolute worst will. Like having some like a moderate level of skepticism, like Henshaw beat that into my head, dude. I respect the hell Shout out, out of to that. Henshaw. Shout out to Ben Henshaw for shaping like it's sad dude uh him and bursu are both retired i want to try so, to get bursu on this podcast i think that would be that would be a, cra- a trip. right can you can you call me back for that one yeah when i'll you, be when like you... bursu you're gonna come on but we're also gonna bring on tyler because he needs to be a part of this yeah i actually talked about uh i talked about bursu yesterday in my chemistry class because no i think it might have been on tuesday my professor was swinging fun fact uh my chemistry professor right now is my neighbor that's really funny that comes up that brings out a lot of really funny situations i wouldn't say that in class because i want to like keep that like for both of us sorry dave but um he was like swinging a yardstick around he's just kind of fidgeting but i was like oh we're bringing back like corporal punishment like you know smack the shit out of someone if you're upset and he's like nah he's like i'm tenured and thought about it for a little longer than he should have I said, like, I could probably get away with it and i was like you know my uh my civics professor in high school smacked the shit out of me I don't think you were in my civics class. I don't think he slapped the crap out of me. Um, I had. Are we talking open palm or yes, like open palm, right? So, uh, remember Trevor Riberty? Yes. Okay. So Trevor Riberty was like sitting next to me, and you know how Bursu would do that thing where he uh he would like lecture like while walking around the class, and if there was an open desk, he'd just sit in it and start just talking, right? So he's sitting right behind me. And Trevor just keeps like leaning over trying to talk to me. And Bursu goes, shut up. Smack me on the back of the head. And the whole class is like, what Paralyzed. the fuck just happened? I'm laughing so hard because I th- he didn't hit me that hard. But he- it was like a fatherly like, hey, it's like cracked me on the back of the head. I'm like in tears laughing so hard that he did that. And he like shook me. He's like, ah, it's like you're like a son to me. And he just like rattled me. But everyone's like, what the fuck is wrong with this dude? And he his favorite retort was always, um, I was a nun in the past life. I could smack you if I want to. Like, he just didn't give a shit. But God, I miss that guy. He did not care. 
No, I and his the... rants were legendary when he would just go. I mean, you could kill a whole class period if you got him. The really deconstructed going. taco story. I don't remember like the basis of that one. That one was good. I just remember the you are here. This, the concentric also... circles. Yeah, and you're also here. Oh, dude, did he ever tell you the Costco story? Like a weird first tangent. I don't but think so. This man like really influenced like a lot of people. Um, the reason I brought him up with, with Henshaw is because like Henshaw was like the ultimate tight ass of a professor. Like, if you used a dash, heaven forbid, instead of a hyphen, you had to resubmit your paper the next day for a grade deduction, right? Like, this is the kind of dude we're talking about. Bursu, like, he told uh, one of my friends, like, the thing he was looking forward to most when he retired is just being able to do acid again, which is, like, fuck. Bursu said that? Oh, I gotta get get him. Bursu also has, like, a big Lebowski poster on the wall, a bunch, like, he, with a bunch of other movies, right? He's, they're best friends, but they could not be more opposite from each other. And, um, oh God. What's up? Costco. Bursu goes, um, yeah, I'm terrified of Costco. Thank you for that. Bursu goes, I'm terrified of Costco. They're like, all right, shoot. He goes, well, I was in a Whole Foods and an earthquake happened and a tub of like some glass shit fell off the top shelf and shattered, scared the shit out of me. And then I thought, well, if I'm in Costco, an earthquake happens if i get killed by like a 30 pound tub of mayonnaise i'm gonna be so fucking mad he's like that's why i don't shop at costco he refuses to because he's like if i die from a comically large like condiment jar or something i'm gonna be mad for the rest of eternity so he just refuses to shop there for that reason that sounds like pursue yep man of principle we had some some really great features Mm mm-hmm I mean, we really did. We had some wonderful teachers. Like, I don't know. I, I was always the kind of person where, like, people would, like, I hung out with a lot of upperclassmen usually, especially towards, like, you know, sophomore, junior year. I mostly hung out with, like, juniors and seniors. And they'd, they'd give you, like, oh, well, you know, this prof- this teacher's like this, or this teacher's like this. And I always took it with a grain of salt. Oh, this teacher's an asshole. And then I get to know him, and it's like, well, were they really an asshole? Were you just like dicking off in class? Yeah. Or were you dicking off in a way that was annoying to them? I dicked off all the time. I just found a way to irritate the teacher in a way that they would have fun with. That's half the battle. Yeah. I did that to Miss Bush all the time. Did you? Oh, Bush was a crack up. She was a I character. Loved, I loved her. I, I irritated the shit out of her on a daily basis. And my brother does the same thing. He, I think he has it right now. But he does the same thing. Oh, man. Yeah, we. I, there are some teachers. I think teachers get a bad rap sometimes because there yes. are some shitty ones out there, and there, there are, are some, some ones that real bad teachers. Yeah, bad. but there are also some really good ones. Yeah, and I think that just speaks to the life in some sense that you're gonna find that anywhere. You're gonna find people who really care and really are dedicated to the job and trying to teach in this case, mm-hmm. and you're gonna find people that don't care. And it's yeah. just a paycheck, and they're just there to clock in and clock out. And that's fine, man. Like, it, you know, I mean, it sucks in the case where you're teaching kids. Yes. You think if you have any job where you want somebody to be really dedicated to the craft, it's, it's that. It's that. That in healthcare. You don't um, want a surgeon that's just half-assing. That was exactly what I was thinking, was like, there are healthcare professionals that, you know, maybe it happened over time, or maybe that was initial, but like, it ends up being the motivation is the money. And it's, you know, it's hard to refute. Money's like a, it's an attractive thing. It like, 
it makes shit happen. That's what I view it as. I don't view it as something to like desire or like want as I only want it as far as I can use it to like take care of the people near me or like do the things that I want to do with them, you know, or like build a better life for them. Like I don't think of it as something that I want apart from its use. I think it's a very attractive thing to a lot of people. I think you you can pull this up. I think they say that after $80,000, once you go higher than that, it doesn't equate to a greater increase in happiness. Or at least that's what it used to be. I don't, now it might be higher with inflation and all that, but which makes sense. Once you have your basic needs met, you were close. 75k. 75. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm at least in the ballpark. I'll take that. So, I'm I'm assuming like 75k like let's assume like 75 like that's what you're netting. You know, at the end of the year. Yeah. Like, yeah, which makes sense if you have your bills covered. The greatest reference to that that I've ever heard or explanation of that is you want enough money so that you can go out to dinner and not have to look at the price on the menu. Yeah. Anything past that and it's just extra. And I don't even want to be going to like a super crazy place and oh, I can buy a, a $4,000 dinner like a Yeah, a like gold-plated steak, 7 or $800 dinner and I cuz I worked around a lot of people like that. I worked at a when I was in San Francisco, I barbacked at a restaurant called Hillstone. Super nice place. It was beautiful. It was like uh on Embarcadero, like on the on the waterfront, like right across from where Alcatraz, the ferry picks up. And um fun fact, so the dude that owns Hillstone, his name is George Beale. George owns all of the restaurants privately. So he has a couple in New York, he has one in Midtown and downtown New York. Um, the one in San Francisco, I think, lost on average fifteen to twenty thousand dollars. It was never positive. But he didn't give a shit that it didn't make money. He considered that fifteen to twenty K a month as an advertising expense for having his restaurant at the front of that city. He didn't care. He decorated every restaurant in that company with his own art and he moved it around as he desired. This dude, like, he he figured it out. But being in that kind of job, like, I mean, I was in a full tuxedo every night as a bar back, and then I bartended a little bit too. I was around people that made a lot of money. And the cool thing was meeting someone that made a ton of money. Because you can tell in, like, their demeanor. The people that made a good amount of money, more like, much more than your average person, but still not, like, rich, rich, talked about it more. And we're just like, yeah, I have money, like all this. The people that really, really, really had like old money, very nonchalant, would show up in just like a t-shirt and shorts or a t-shirt and jeans. But they probably had triple the net worth of the people around them. Brought a lot of people that were kind of like snobby too, you know, like, oh, I bought this $400 bottle of wine. Like, look at me. I only had one person. I've told, I told the story the other day, but I only had one person the whole time I worked there that pissed me off. It's the only time in like all of my jobs where I've almost broken my customer service smile and actually just like hauled off and said something that got me fired. Super busy. So it's like a 25 to 30 seat bar top with full service. So dinner, drinks, everything. Cleaning all these plates, like I'm washing dishware, like I'm going as fast as I can. And it's usually like the people seating and then there's like, three layers of people around them waiting to get drinks probably like 70 plus people sitting there dude walks up and goes bar boy 
like snapped at me and I turned around and I was like, what do you want? I've never like ever been mean to someone in a situation like that. I felt just like I had like a glass in my hand. I was like, I was about to club you with this thing. He's like, make me a drink. And I'm like, that's what the bartenders are for. He goes, no, you know how to make it. I seen you bartend over there. I'm like, and I'm bar backing right now. I'm not making a drink. I'm not getting in their way. And he goes, can't you just figure it out? And he like waved a card at me. I was like, no, I'm not. Bartender, they were dope. They bought my dinner every night. So every night that I showed up and bar backed for them, they paid for my dinner outright because I made them a lot of money. They go faster. He was like, first off, fuck that guy. Made him wait like 30 minutes to get him a cocktail. But I like, he was just in there tapping the car, just like losing his mind. Cause like no one's told this dude no. I was so happy, but like that's the one person that has like made me boil with rage at a job or just to be like, all right, you son of a bitch, what do you want? <laughs> it's like, well, it's almost an excuse in that sense to just be a dick mm-hmm. when you have money. Because you can pay for it. You can get away with it. And there is no, there's no no, because there's always a price that can yeah. be paid. I, I'm not the kind of guy that like enjoys being the one to like go, no, you can't do that. Like, I, I don't like conflict. One of my past managers, his favorite thing was to say no. And when someone was mad, he'd go, he'd talk to him. And he'd walk down, just listen to him and go, Mm-mm, we're not doing that. His favorite thing was to just tell people to shut up and tell them no. And I was like, cool. We have a great dynamic. I'll try and calm him down. If that doesn't work, you're getting down here and you're kicking him out. Like, you're going to tap I, in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people, I, I think it's just you can lose touch with reality. If you have a, a, like a lot of money, which doesn't even have to be that much, you could have 300 grand a year. Yeah. And what that looks like, what you can do with that, I think you just lose touch with just being a person an age thing too a lot of people have always been told customers right yeah and that's quickly i think kind of changing in a good way which it should yeah i think it's conditioned too many people to be like if i scream and throw a temper tantrum as an adult someone just like is going to fix it for me maybe they don't understand that we're doing it because like they're a new a literal nuisance in a toddler and it's like it's easier to just get you out but like just like I can just demand what I want and you'll do it. And I love when people are like, no, that doesn't work. It's not how it works. No, here. you're like more often than not customers like in an industry are wrong about what's going on. Like, <laughs> it's like, dude, we do this every day. <laughs> yeah, I think we would be the ones to know. No, we're here all the time. Not at all. Yeah. You give me what I want. You don't know anything. It's hilarious. People are weird. Social skills and just being a decent person it's it's easy to lose touch with that like i i tell people this a lot like you know i can be okay at talking to people like it's something i, I can i can be good at i don't always enjoy doing it like it, it depends like being around and working with people i wouldn't trade that for anything i love it but some days people really test that some some days people really test just how much I enjoy what I'm doing. Maybe one one cup of coffee short of, you know, if I didn't have coffee, I probably wouldn't have handled the interaction well. <laughs> That's life at that level. This, oh, this is back. This is just the money thing. Okay. I don't know. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. If somebody offered me, you know, 300 grand just to fuck around, I would take that. Nobody's going to pass up money. No, not at all. And the people that say, you know, Mr. Katop, do you remember him, Mr. Katop? The funny thing about that is I literally ran into him the last time I was at the gym. Oh, shit that's good and him and i sat and talked for a while He's oh like, nice and then uh fun fact they're like almost always at redwood curtain mr katab yeah and olsen and like a, oh, a no shit bunch of them like my parents almost every single time they go to redwood curtain like see so olsen saw katab oh like, damn yeah they have, oh, their, they have their little meetups there where i was going with that he said something really profound one time he said that the people that say money can't buy happiness are just flat wrong it can. You can buy happiness. You can buy a lot of things with money. The one thing you can't buy with money is time. And that's your greatest asset. I think he's a good example of someone that in a lot of ways I might not agree with him. But he is someone that I will listen to. And someone that I will I will take that and be like, I'll, I'll chew on that. Because like I... I don't see him quite as far as the like Goggins path, but I think he leans further that way than I do. Yes. But he's still like, well, he comes from a hard background. Yes. I still think like he has good perspective and I do respect him for that. His parents were Egyptian. I want to say he was Egyptian or something, but he was telling me or told the class one time that his dad, I believe, Owned a stroll like a small strip mall or something in LA, and during the Rodney King riots, oh, they burned shit. it down. Yeah, okay. I want to say I could be getting I mean, this so wrong. I'm, I'm drawn back. I think he told us this when sense. I was in seventh grade, but something crazy like that. The age range, like his age range, would fit relative to his parents. Would I think would make sense for that? Um, so he's been through some stuff, and he does. Does he yeah. still do his coffee? business wasn't that a thing did he have he had like a coffee shop or not a coffee shop a coffee cart that he drove around why am i attributing I that to him? i don't know i couldn't tell you like i'm gonna have to try to get him on now I know we're he's, talking still, about he's still working with the school him and i just talked about it. i don't remember he's what. with saint not saint bernard's um del barnum isn't he there i don't remember I think High, but i don't i don't know where he's at i know he's done kind of everything yeah he said he's he's very he's a very busy guy and so what we talked about so. i like that that quote not because i think money is should be your final pursuit or is at the top of everything but i think it it signifies that if we're being honest you can do a lot with money yes you can pay your bills you can provide yourself a comfortable life you can really attain freedom which is my biggest thing with money is that mm-hmm. financial freedom but the time that you sacrifice you're never going to be 24 again. You're never going to be no. 20 again. You're never going to be 15 again. You have to make the most of your time. Which matters to you more? What path for, do you want to go down? That's for you to decide. Full circle. And there's no wrong answer. No. <laughs> as un, as unsatisfying as that can be. It would be nice if someone could just say, hey, hey idiots. do this, and this is going to happen, and yeah. life's going to work out, and you're going to be happy, and all the worry and all the strife is taken out of life. You know, one of my closest friends is like, when it comes to handling situations like that, we, we do it very, very differently from each other. Very like, he's very like by the seat of his pants, just like shit will work out. Fucking just like stop worrying about it. It'll work out one way or another. And I'm like, 
I want to know how we're planning on doing this. When are we getting there? Like, what, like all of this shit. And he's just like, chill the fuck out. You know, obviously there's times where we balance each other out. And sometimes it's good that I was like, let's think a little logistically about this. But there's a lot of times where, you know, something fun comes from, some good experience comes from just like being told to let go a little bit and not expect there to be an answer to that. And just trusting that like, it'll it'll happen one way or another you can't do shit about it it's good to have those people in your life yeah it's good to have a balance to your personality 100%. friends like that are are incredibly important i think friends that are different from you are incredibly important and friends that are also working towards something that's been the biggest yes. lesson in my life is you have to surround yourself with people who align with you in not necessarily your pursuit, but your drive towards something. If you yeah, if you want to get something out of life and you surround yourself with people who don't and mm-hmm. who are happy more or less being stagnant, it's going to rub off on you. <laughs> Dude, there's, a, there's such a good um, video about it. I don't know what podcast he was on. I think he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, but Joey Diaz. If you've ever That's seen a like, bad motherfucker, yeah. Yeah, Joey dude. Diaz. So, so he's talking about like, I don't. He's like, do you ever hang out with anybody that doesn't do nothing? How long do you hang out with them? You don't. He's like, I don't care if you wake up in the morning, you shoot heroin. Fuck it, you're doing something. You wake up and suck toes, you're doing something. Fuck it, I don't care. Like, uh, he's crazy. They're talking about him popping like, just casually popping like 500 milligram edibles. Just, oh like, yeah, on a flight like. This dude's those, insane. Those stars wa- of death. Yeah, he's a walking chemistry experiment. But I think of that quote where it's just like, again, I don't give a fuck what you're doing. Just, just do, do something. something, right? It's like someone that does something is interesting. Someone that does shit is cool. What what I realized at a young, or not a young age, but what I realized in kind of a painful way is that you don't ever want to be the person that's not doing anything no, that always has time feeling. that is always available for whatever you don't you don't want to be that guy it's you like, gotta it's fun in the abstract because it's like cool i get to like have free time i get to i have the option to do what i want right but then you realize is like these people will pass you by in doing something and you see that passion and then that doesn't trickle down to you you know, you can learn more about like that topic from someone. But this is something I talk about with my friends is like, we have this group of people that everyone has their own specialty, right? So when you all get together, you all have this different pool of knowledge to share with each other. And that's cool. That drives shit because it's like, it's how you learn, right? I don't know about this, but you do. Let's talk about it, you know, like, and we can influence each other in that way. But if you don't have anything to bring to the table, then it's just like, you know, you're the you, odd duck out. Yeah, you feel like it's cool to be there, but at a certain point, you're like, "What do you have to add that's a value?" You know, like, not that, and not to say that like you know your interactions with friends have to be transactional or like you have to bring some value, but you want to, you want to do that. Like, at least you should. You I should. Think, I think you should. Yeah. You know, I feel better when I do. Yeah. Again, not that it has to be a transactional relationship, but with friends, you want to, I want to lift up my friends. I want them to yeah. lift me up. I want us, us, I want us to be striving to reach new heights. And if you're the one that's just not doing anything mm-hmm. and just hanging out and 
not doing any hobbies, not doing anything new, not trying anything different. Where do you expect to go with that? I've been there. That kind of relates to, you know, that feeling of like, I'm doing stuff, but I'm missing that something. And that something is that thing that I'm so passionate about that like when I'm not working or doing, I'm working on this thing, you know, like. I don't feel it as much anymore, but I still do every once in a while. Like, it's almost like a hobby, but like something I'm you could put time into that has a positive return on your life. I was really happy when I was working out more last year and I was playing guitar too. I picked up the guitar. Like I, I always hang around with people that are musical. Like, you know, we can have these conversations about musical theory and like they're way over my head and I'm just sitting there like a little kid, like kicking my feet in the chair. Like, oh, that's cool. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but you're really excited about this, you know? And I like when I just like picked up the guitar every once in a while, like I learned a couple songs and it was cool. I tried to do it the other day. I didn't remember shit, but it was like, I felt good when I did that. Cause it was just something I could do. Like not even to be good at, like I think Kurt Vonnegut talked about that. He's like, not doing this thing to be good at it. You're doing it for the sake of doing it and learning from it. Like if you approach a hobby with the desire of being the best at it, kind of missing the point, you know, he's like, the beauty comes in the repetition and like the learning that relationship that you have with yourself. I'm bastardizing the hell out of this quote, but like, that's what his point was. It's like, I don't do this to be good. I do it because I enjoy it. The good is secondary to it. You're like, the skill is secondary to the enjoyment of the thing. It's an effect Mm -hmm. of caring about it and working on it. It shouldn't be what you strive for, but you should just find the thing that you enjoy doing. I think a lot of people struggle with that myself included at various points in time Mm -hmm. you know just it's hard it's hard when you go to work and you put in your time and you feel obviously drained at the end of the day to then find some motivation to work on something else when you really just want to recharge for the next day you want to take that hour and watch netflix or you want to take that hour and just scroll or you want to take that hour and just maybe sit there and read a book you just want to decompress because you know you have to repeat the cycle tomorrow and it's easy to follow that train of thought and the way i think of it is like that inertia right like when i was consistent in the gym going was second nature it's like yeah duh we're going you know and as i slowly slip out of that it's not an instantaneous thing it's a very gradual change it started with not doing the cardio as much and just lifting it's like as much and now it's like i'm barely going to the gym and it's like now that i'm not going to the gym anymore i've readapted to that and it's always better to go and like do the thing you know like you know that you can know that so profoundly but enacting that in the moment it's easier to just keep doing what you're doing and like when it was the working out it was so easy to go now it's just like it comes and goes so quickly you know that like ability to like keep doing it but again it's just like tomorrow i just need to go i just need to do it i love it i love it i always feel so good after i regret every time i don't go i never regret going it's the momentum aspect and i think that is so huge for people in general just Mm -hmm. the hardest part is building the momentum and the easiest part is stopping but once you've got it, once you have it going, once the ball is rolling, just yeah. keep it going. Kind of just drags you. Because once you stop to start it back up, 
is a bitch. And you think I would have known that having done that last year, right? Just like gotten my ass in shape. And but the, but one problem with that is like even when I like I I document like part of the seventy five hard was like taking pictures of yourself every day. So you can see this progress. And I didn't do it every day, but I did take pictures of myself like, you know, like every week. And I mostly because I was waking up super early to bike before I did my internship. And I looked so fucked up in those pictures, like my hair sticking straight up. I looked mad. Every picture, I'm just sitting there in my underwear, like grumpy as hell, looking, looking in the mirror. So I just stopped doing that every morning because I was like, these are just really bad pictures of myself. But. I looked at those pictures and I was like, I could have lost more weight. Literally the leanest I've ever been. Like I started to see veins like abdomen. I was like, I haven't seen this in my entire lifetime. I thought I was getting like a hernia here. And then I was like, no, I just lost fat for the first time there. I've always had. And I look at those pictures now. And I was like, damn, I looked pretty good. But at the time I thought I looked like shit still. I was like, I still could have lost so much more. I'm just nitpicking at like the fat that I could lose. Now I'm looking at it. I'm like, I wish I could look like that. When, when will it be good enough? Is the work is what the workout's showing me is like, when will I be happy with this? Will I ever be happy with it? Not content to where I stop doing it, but when will I ever be happy with what I've done there? I don't know if I will. That's the hard relationship I have with the gym, I think. And a lot of people do too. Oh yeah. Everyone can relate to that. Yeah. It's you never appreciate it in the moment. Mm. That's something I'm I am constantly working on. And at times I feel like I never make progress. Mm-mm. Just, so you get the right lighting and you have a pump in the right lighting and then you're like, okay, this is pretty good right now. And then you go home and it's like I should never even step foot in the gym again. I you're always that. chasing that pump. And the, what's it's the ridiculous. idea that you're never going to reach it because tomorrow's pump is always going to be better. Yeah, I and guess. you just, you're chasing the, you're chasing it. I could do X amount more, you know, and it's like the same advice. I fall victim to it, but like the same advice that I give Dylan all the time. I gave Dylan. I can't follow. That's the hard thing. It's like, oh man, you can say whatever you want to other people, but because it doesn't involve you doing it. It's just your perspective. That's all you got. That's all you have to input. Not any of the work, unfortunately. It's, it's, so, it's so easy to easy. give great advice. And it's <laughs> so hard to actually so practice to what you it. preach. <laughs> it's, uh, let's make a career on giving people advice. I guess that's what, like, people make a lot of money doing uh, that. Life you got, coach. You got to go to school to do it. Yeah. Um, depending on the certification, you don't really have to go to school as much. You can it. just, there are people. Those motivational speakers that just make bank. I don't know if they have any degrees or anything. They just you're just a motivational person. Yeah. As long as you're charismatic enough, fuck it. Yeah, like Tony Robbins Tony Robinson is a good one. Eric oh, what's his name? Weist? No, that's not Eric uh, Weist. No, it's Eric oh, it's Thomas? E. T. Yeah, I think it's E. T. E. T. Yeah. People, E.T., do that. Like, he's in, like, if you look up those, like, motivational compilations on YouTube. Shit, go to my YouTube. That's all. You don't actually have to go to my YouTube, but that's all it is. I watch those when I do cardio at the gym. Yeah. It's just motivational there videos. Was, um, oh, a channel. What was it called? Motiversity? The channel's called Gravemind. It, um, it uses, like, clips from anime and, like, cartoons and whatever. But it incorporates so many of those old. The If you go up to the... 
you let go to the channel and then go to his go to their videos the oh, the best one that stuck for me is yeah it's most popular the one that sticks to me or like the one that really was like in my head it's, um the iron mind i watched that one so many times last year when i was having particularly hard times like waking up and going i don't have to do it today i i don't have to do it i can't i'm sore i'm too busy don't play because we'll get pulled on youtube yeah but i've already been down that road dmc <laughs> youtube they fiery dmca oh complaint God. yeah i don't i don't i'll have be, to watch I, this though yeah, I, I don't want to be the reason that happens, i i but. love motivational videos that's yeah. my bread and it's butter a, it's a combination of them yeah right? but it's like it's almost like gaslighting yourself yeah like it works you can do it's it effective. you can do it both negatively and positively and i forget that all the time because like some of my favorite music is like kind of sad music you know like it's it's kind of validating but like it's really good and you can do the same thing the other way you can just make yourself listen to this shit and be like yeah that's true and just go and do it like it's hard but you can do it you know and the inclination for most people is to go negative that's the easiest one yeah. is to say i can't it do can this be. because of this i'm not enough for this i'll never make it there what is tony oh it's robbins. tony robbins i was gonna say yeah tony robbins is not was tony it? robinson it's, i was like tony robbins is not it's like tony robbins. he's a big dude um yeah those guys the power of being motivational <laughs> wow he's worth 600 million dollars way richer than six I six damn 600 million dollars oh my god dude you googled his weight 75 kilograms 165 pounds wow that's a lot lighter than i thought whoa okay. 165 pounds at six six seven at 165 that's like that's he's that's super lean, lean. Yeah. i'm i'm probably a, a buck 80 something right now and i'm six one yeah i was the most i weighed when i started actually trying to put like muscle mass back on was like 175 like 180 i've cycled back to where i think i've lost like a fair amount of muscle and put some fat back on and i'm I'm sitting around like mid to high 170s right now, I think on average, but I haven't weighed myself in a couple of weeks. I got up to, I was in a frat up at OSU. Which I got up to 210 because all I was doing was drinking beer, yeah. eating burgers, partying. What were you in? Just, I, it was a Delta Upsilon. Okay. I was like, what's the odd chance that we were in the same one? That would have been a, that would have been a lab, moment. Yeah. yeah. But that's all, I mean... I was living my life. I was having a great time, but mm -hmm. you just got to find the balance. It's you can... fun, dude. But like I could, compared to how I like, I really don't like me. I, I, I drink now. It's just a beer or two here on the podcast is the yeah, only time I drink. I like, I'll have maybe a couple of drinks per week and average, maybe like one a week. Right. When I was in the community, I so much. It was so stupid so bad for you like i just remember we would just pass around a handle hours go through it all right where's another one like you just go and i was like proud of that fact and then i was like damn this is terrible like this is awful for me man i feel much better now that i don't drink as much anymore shocker yeah surprising right not drinking a 
class one carcinogen every day is actually pretty good for beneficial you. for your health both mentally and physically fun fact yeah drinking in college it's it's a lot of fun <laughs> but it's weird that it's just it's the culture is oh it's just like fucked up i don't know how many times i heard someone and i said this myself too like uh it's not alcoholism as long as you're in college right like it doesn't count yeah it's just being like no that's just purely and people delusional. talk about blacking out like it's a badge of honor oh i blacked out last oh, night I've it was such it, a crazy party so many times it yeah it's not a good thing but it was fun i would never do any of it again it's it's we've come full circle it's back to that you know you're sacrificing maybe feeling well tomorrow yeah. and maybe something longevity wise yeah for the moment for a great memory for a fun time as we've gotten older there's much better ways to do that rather than blacking out and doing it but you know do you ha- yeah, i think you have to have your your harsh blackouts and get carried up the stairs of your two-story apartment by your roommates um couple times to a good experience yeah Yeah, there's a couple of times right like we had this in this fucking divider in the middle of the street it was already a narrow street we lived in a family neighborhood in my second apartment in a pseudo frat house because you couldn't have an actual frat house so there was like six of us technically six on the lease one dude paid for the lease and never once lived with us he lived there for one night and then never came back so he paid for the his room the entire year god bless you man He, he saved our rent but um so badly but we had a divider with trees in the middle my roommates just heard someone fall into the trees one night and they came back out and i was just like asleep in the tr- i was just like getting sick like in the trees so they just like dragged me i had bruises on my ankles because they didn't even pick me up they just dragged me up the stairs so i kicked oh, every Jesus. step like on the way up and i just wake up like how'd i get here and they're all they wake up and they're all just like yeah thanks suck. for that <laughs> It was mutual. We all did it. We all did it together. It's memories. You know, it's for better or worse. It's not really memories because I don't remember. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. an it's aspect, memory, right? It's memories through other people. <laughs> but that's, for better or worse, that's just part of the experience mm-hmm. is you're going through that. It was the most fun thing you'd never do again. There you go. Yeah. Okay, well, Tyler, this was badass, man. Yeah. We put in, we've been here three hours. Yeah, holy shit. Yeah, we can wrap this piece yeah, up. Yeah, I was going to say. We're... Do you want to plug anything plug your social i don't have social i respect that yeah i I respect the people that don't plug (laughs) usually there's like that whole rant right where it's like oh follow me on this i do this sometimes here i am on tiktok here's my twitch here's my this is my first podcast and like i i just posted on my instagram account like you know like for the first time like a week ago so like we're we're making some we're building back in we're we're getting back into it but nothing to nothing to plug really okay yeah well this was this was a hell of a lot of fun man dude i'm really happy to catch up i hope to yeah, do it again or even we'll just, have to do it again just, now just hang out like, yeah you know? this was a blast really yeah all right that's a good ass time thanks man awesome thank you